to a world where monsters have taken their place among cinematic history, but who are the real monsters? Are they the scaly creatures that haunt our nightmares? Or are they the person you see every day just casually walking down the street? What happens when man outweighs the monster on the screen and creep into our lives and dreams? With our co-hosts Joe Radazzo, Vicky Ray, and Keith Shago, they will uncover who are the real villains as we explore the classic cinema along with some modern greats and find the monster within us. Welcome to the Trilogies Podcast. This is Eminem, Monsters and Madmen Week, where we discuss two films dealing with madmen or monsters. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicki Ray with us. Hello, Vicki. Hi, everybody. We got Joe Randazzle. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And Davi Cavello. Hello, David. Hi, everyone. Hello. <clears throat> Hello. <laughs> and before we start talking about Orphanage from 2007 and Personal Shopper from God knows what year, um, we'll talk about <laughs> what we've been up to since last time we spoke. And starting with you, David, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Okay. Well, I've carried on watching it. And if you remember when I spoke, uh, to, I think two podcasts, I guess, that are watching the German Holograms um, cartoon TV show from the 80s. I'm on season three, finally. <laughs> I'm loving it. And I've also discovered that they've done a comic book, I think, from IDW, and it's very modernized. And the styles and the colors are just on your face. And it's like, wow, I love it. I really like it. Then I tried to watch the first Descendant, um, Descendants movie. I don't know if you ever watched it from Disney. It's kind of like the sons oh, yeah, and the daughters yeah. of all the the good guys and it. the bad guys from the fairy tale. It's cute. Come on. I haven't seen it yet. Nice. I've seen it. I think What's it called? The Descendant? The Descendants. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, there's, three. there's yeah. three. Yeah, there's three films. There's three, three movies, yeah. <clears throat> but I did, I did watch it long ago with my friends during COVID, but I forgot about it. And we started doing the marathon and I fell asleep. So I was trying to rewatch it all over again. And I didn't manage to finish it, so I need to get back into it. But it's cute. I like it. It's a nice one. And then I started getting a little bit into this, um, let's just call them alternative podcast into like ancient religions and agnosticism. Stuff that oh, basically I, I started. It's, it's stuff that, that I started stuff. many, many, many years ago when I was in high school because we were taught, I, I studied, I studied in, a, in a high a scientific high school. So we did not only scientific matters, but we also did philosophy and literature and stuff like that. So they we let you study about, the Gnostics. Yes, yes. We did a little bit of like the Zoroaster cool religion of the Mitra religion and stuff, like the Very origins cool. of Christianity and stuff. Um, and it's fascinating. I've been listening to some of these podcasts, like when I wake up in the morning or cycle, instead of listening to it's music. It's a cool subject. It really is. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've always loved this stuff. And, and then I'm getting into this stuff. And I found so many interesting book writers I'm so much into now. And you should, I've um, all these titles and everything. Out, I, lo- I really, really love them. Look out for a podcast called The Abracadabra Show, which deals with all that. And it's done by one of our one of the authors I used to represent, but he also guest co-host when we Will? did a European war. Will, Will Miller. Miller. That's yeah. a good his, podcast. Is he still doing that? Yeah, he is actually. Oh wow, I've got. I. I but it's about metaphysics and all the other stuff that you're talking about. He's really yeah, good. Like I, I wish I did. I wish I started. Um, Will's a fountain of information. He really is. <laughs> but, I, it's, it's fascinating and I love it. I, my whole life I've dedicated to this stuff, love reading about spirituality and Gnosticism and stuff. It's very and cool. Philosophy. Very cool. 
Um, I, I wish I would, I could find a job or something related to this. So interesting enough, here in London, there is a beautiful library uh, bookshop. Uh, I think it's been open since 1880 something. It's like a very historical place called um, Watkins Books. It's basically in Cecil Court, Linear Leicester Square, and it's absolutely my favourite shop. They deal with everything related to spirituality, religion, psychology, London? philosophy. It's in London, yes, yes. I'm so and jealous. My kingdom. I've tried. I've, I promise I've tried a billion <laughs> times when I was much younger, well, that's 10 years ago, to apply to, to, to work there, even just to be there. And the amount of money I've gave to the shop, you have no idea. I used to collect books and read them and stuff. Uh, it's just fascinating. It's definitely one of the, my favorite subjects in life. If I had to choose something I'm passionate about, there would definitely be stuff like this one. So like, including like folklore and philosophy and everything. And I just love them. And this is all thanks to my philosophy teacher from my school. And thank God I met her in my life. That's all I can say. <laughs> But yeah, that's for me. Very cool. What about yourself, Joe? What have you been up to? Um, I just got a book uh, called Mr. Towers of London, which is the autobiography of uh, Harry Allen Towers, who produced um, a lot of films, uh, a lot of uh, moderately budgeted um, horror and uh, exploitation films in the late 60s. Haven't uh, haven't. Uh, um, opened it yet it just arrived yesterday so i'm gonna be reading that but he produced uh, a lot of the um if you remember the fu manchu series from the 60s he produced uh some of those uh he produced uh, a lot of jess franco's films in the uh the late 60s and early 70s a lot of his better budgeted stuff so uh looking forward to cracking that open haven't started it uh yet um uh last night uh after watching the movies uh the last couple days for for the podcast last night i watched um don't bother to knock the um, marilyn the, monroe Mel film. that's a good film actually where she's kind of like a fucked up babysitter that the marilyn yes. monroe film where she's in europe but they're saying that it wasn't really a true story but that was from a guy that's been no, no this is uh no, no she, this, this, this one takes place in new york she's a complete yeah. psycho in this and i was surprised yeah. i knew it was a noir I, you know, all I knew going in was it was a noir with Marilyn Monroe and um, and uh, Richard Woodmark. And if you've seen, what was it you know, called again? Don't bother to knock. Uh, it takes place in a hotel, and um, you know really Marilyn Monroe film. is brought in to babysit this uh, this little girl by these uh, these people who are uh, who are in the hotel. Um, Elisha Cook Jr. is her uncle, and he's uh, he's the guy who runs the elevator. The the little girl's uh, father, or. Uh, is uh, Jim Backus? No, no kidding. Um, but yeah, Richard Woodmark um, breaks up with uh, with his uh, his girlfriend, or his girlfriend breaks up with him, and he's just like in his room drinking. He looks across the alley and he sees Marilyn Monroe in the uh, the the room that she's uh, she's booked. And you think, you know, like I went in completely blind, just knowing it was a noir, just knowing it was Marilyn Monroe, just knowing it was Richard Woodmark. So I'm like, okay, Richard Woodmark's going to be the creepy stalker who's going to be after Marilyn Monroe. No, immediately. They, you start, you know, Marilyn Monroe has slashes on her wrists. So she's tried to, she's tried oh, to commit suicide. This one? Um, she hears uh she hears a helicopter or a plane outside immediately bursts into tears. Uh, she mentions that she, ha uh, you know, her uh, her man died uh, over the Pacific, like he was a pilot. So yeah, Richard Woodmark notices her. They notice each other, and uh, she she invites him over, and 
yeah, it's not Richard Woodmark. That's the psycho here. It's Marilyn Monroe, and she's yeah. It goes com- completely against type. Like I never expected that. Uh, and it's like he said, it's actually a is very this, good like, movie. totally out of what you would say was her normal comfort yes. zone. Well, I mean, this is before she became like the big comedian. Actress, okay, so you know? this is before she became yeah. on bombshell. Okay. I mean, she's still obviously beautiful, beautiful. in this, but yeah, it's um completely out of left field because I didn't know anything about it besides that. And the director is uh Roy Ward Baker, who I really like. He made uh Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Um, in the early 70s where Ralph Bates is Dr. Jekyll. He takes a potion. He turns into Martine Beswick. Um, he directed The Monster Club, which... Uh, I love uh, that movie. I started kind of getting a little bit of a cult following thanks to Joe Bob showing it last year. Uh, so And he directed, you know, maybe not the greatest Hammer films. You know, Scars of Dracula is not, you know, like the greatest thing, but... They're good, clean fun. That's but yeah, it's directed by him <laughs> it's before... Like Hammer film. <laughs> it, yeah, this is, pre, this is before he did anything for Hammer, too. So this was really, really better than I expected it to be. And, like, I just... I was just like, okay, cool. It's just going to be a noir. It's just... And, like, just took, took off in the complete opposite direction where I thought it was going. And I don't know if that's colored my judgment or not, but now Keith's saying it's a good movie, too, so... Maybe I'll, I'm but, trusting yeah, my judgment on this. Good. Interestingly enough, before she made that movie, she did made another film noir by Fritz Lang called, um, what was it called? Clash by uh, Night. Clash by Night. Yeah, with her and Barbara Stanwyck. Uh, yeah, I, I just watched that recently, too. And that one, she was, yeah, she was the uh, the girlfriend of the, uh, um, the lead character. And uh, she did another noir with John Huston called The Asphalt Jungle. That one I have not seen yet. Yeah, so I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to check that out. It's on one of the many noir box sets. It's up on my shelf over there. Um, and I, I will get to it uh, <clears throat> very, very soon. Because Anne, ben- Anne Bancroft's in... Uh, Anne Bancroft was Jim Backus's wife. Yes. I was trying to remember yeah. who it was. Yeah, she's Jim Backus's wife. It's a pretty solid cast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just completely threw me, threw me for a loop because I did not expect to see Marilyn Monroe as the psycho who has murder in her eyes at one point when she's looking at the, the little girl she's supposed to babysit because she's interrupting her time with Richard Woodmark. And yeah, it is, it is something else. Uh, I don't know where it's streaming. It was on a, it's on a DVD box set of Marilyn Monroe films that I have. So I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It probably is. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I, I got it on the, when they did a Marilyn Monroe box set. That's when I, that's what I saw. Uh, the it diamond collection. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what for blondes it. and, but then when they did the Blu-ray set, that wasn't that wasn't included. So, well, so you just kept the DVDs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Apparently, it's on Apple TV. If anybody wants to see it, who's listening to this now? At least in the United States, it's on Apple TV. Yeah. And what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to, Miss COVID twenty twenty three? Yeah, five's the charm. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, you guys will get it again. I'll laugh at you. I'm just not going anywhere anymore. I'm telling you, I just can't. <laughs> I swear to God, fuck it out there. Wait. But um, uh, now, other than that, uh, just, just hanging out at the house, but I obviously had time to watch TV. Um, but I got up to episode seven of The Witcher. I'm saving the last episode for tonight because I know I'm not going to be able to watch everything for another year because they will make us wait a year it is netflix i don't think they'll be able to do much more with it from a fourth season i don't know if any of you started it i know keith was watching it 
I haven't watched this one yet. I haven't got it's so far it the best yet. season. It is the best season. It's mm-hmm. very well done. I love it, and I just can't stand that I'm on episode eight. There's assholes. Mm-hmm. I want at least ten episodes so they can leave me hanging <laughs> for all year. I know it. If you're but, looking uh, for something new, Sean just started watching the uh, Twisted Metal. Uh, I was going to watch that. Peacock. Peacock. Yeah, that so um, I I watched parts of uh, parts of the first and second episode yesterday while I was doing other stuff and. Seems seems pretty pretty okay. It looks seems pretty, pretty good. Fun. I saw the coming interaction. I did finally watch Straight Jacket with Joan Crawford. I've been wanting oh, to see it. It took crazy. me forever. Not the ending I was expecting, but I kind of thought towards about half hour, you know, towards that the end. It's like, oh, I know who did it really. So I did not see that, but I figured it out right before the last fifteen minutes. Probably it's like, oh, a, I know. It's such William a good Castle, movie. Right? I don't know why they berated yeah. Joan. Crawford for it so badly. She's excellent in it. I mean, well, it's, no, it it's had that no, or any of that other stuff, or Virginia Woolf, or things like that. No, it was part. It was part of the Hag horror. That's the. It was part of that Hag horror cycle that was yeah. going through at the moment. And William Castle, it's kind of funny, but his films didn't get great reviews until years later. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're always kind of like they're flocky. The Tingler, House on Haunted Hill, Homicidal. But now, yeah. I mean, now you watch them like these are actually excellent films. Or I saw what you I do. thought it was excellent. And just like everybody bashed her so bad for it. It's just like, wow, this is actually a very good performance by Joan Crawford. It was an awesome yeah. performance. It showed all of her range. You know, it just I, I loved it. It's like probably and up her, daughter is, her daughter is a bitch. Her daughter is a psycho bitch. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I know I've seen her in other stuff. I'm having a real like burnout moment. Well, the interesting thing, hum, Homicidal very much m- mirrors Mildred Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Do, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, dude, dude, don't spoil that because like, I'm watching Mildred Pierce this weekend. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, let's not talk about Mildred, Mildred Pierce. Pierce. It's actually like, we'll love it. It's a great movie. Um, uh, well, with Homicidal, the one that I noticed is the obvious uh, movie it rips off is Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a very obvious. Oh, my God. I finally watched Grizzly. The other night ago, and oh, yeah. I had what you want to talk about jacking off a movie like Jaws. I mean, they totally just used the bear as the shark, but it was like basically. <laughs> and I was dying over his his what do you call it his uh his commentary on it <laughs> because it's true they totally jacked Jaws to make the grizzly. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Well, like, there were a few of those movies that in that era that like, completely just ripped off. Or- Orca, Orca, the killer whale. Orca. Yeah. I liked Orca. It wasn't it wasn't me. Richard Harris was in Orca. Wasn't he the one that it was hit his sights on because it killed his calf and the mommy mommy Orca? Yeah. I think that that's Orca. I can't, I'll remember. Yeah, it was Richard I'm, Harris. I remember Richard that. Harris. And then there's there's Alligator at that time as well. Alligator came out. Alligator was the first movie that that they showed on on the last drive-in right before Grizzly. So it was Jaws ripoff <laughs> night. Yes, but yeah. it's never as good with Betty White in the the Alligator, but in Blake Placid, Betty White fails the whole show. She calls everybody "fuck me," no, officer "fuck me." I was sho- I was shocked that there was five movies in that series. Oh my god! Well, Sharknado. I think they want to do one last Sharknado. I saw something about it. I I don't know if they will, but they have one more script for that foolhardy Sharknado, and I am stupid enough to watch it 
because they rope in all of these cameos of all these actors to get. Oh, in. they're all fun. That's that's the important thing about the Sharknado movies is that yeah, they're yeah. not going to win any Oscars, but they're they're goofy fun. They're fun. They're stupid fun. They're just good. And, he, and, he, fun. and he's. You see these actors that you haven't seen for years and years. Like, where the hell did I find this one? Like, they were dead. And then you'll see, and then you'll see people who aren't even actors popping up in cameos, like Mark Cuban and Ann Coulter. Right. And right. like Ann Coulter. Yeah, that's right. She was in. She was in one of them. I don't remember which one, but she it was, was in like, one of them. I think it was like the fourth one. I think I go, that's Ann Coulter. What the fuck? I get Ann Coulter in here. That was just so random. Uh, a Chris Jericho running a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, Okay. Chris oh, Jericho yeah. loves that shit, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. What else did I watch? Oh, yeah. Aftershock. I watched a couple of weird things. Like, Aftershock is about Everest and the Paul Quake. That was some messed up stuff. But I watched this Pepsi Where's My Jet. Remember when Pepsi used to have those oh, I haven't outlandish? seen that yet. Yeah, watch it. It's so funny. Pepsi used to have those channels. They used to have the Pepsi contest. And it said down there, you know, it didn't say he couldn't have the Harrier Jet. But this kid actually won the jet, the Harrier jet, and Pepsi did not want to give him a Harrier jet. So it was this whole ordeal on how this kid went about trying to get this Harrier jet that he actually won from Pepsi. Yeah, it was but, like sa saving saving the, the promotional codes or something. Yeah, he yeah, saved them he up. And wait, where's my jet? They bought cases of Pepsi because they were going to sell this thing to turn a profit and start a company. So it was just all foobar. And I watched, um, you know, I've been watching Miami Vice. Well, I actually tucked my toe in the water of the Miami Vice movie. And it's just oh. like, eh, never again. Cannot believe I've spent that I, much time on a movie. Why? I, why is it the best? It was bad. It wasn't even nothing. <laughs> I mean, Tubbs and Crockett were nothing like Tubbs and Crockett. They were, so Jamie never Fox, tolerated that bullshit. It's Jamie huh? Foxx and who else? Who's Jamie Foxx and, uh, oh, oh. Oh, what's his I can't name? think of it. I his haven't face seen... is right there. He's got big eyebrows. That's all. He's got big. Colin eyebrows. Farrell. Colin Farrell. Yeah, it was Colin Farrell. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen he a man advice movie. Funny. <laughs> yep, Colin Farrell. Yeah, it was not my It's favorite. directed by Michael Mann, and I usually like his movies. I've never it, seen well, this I, one. Well, you might Ali. like it. I was disappointed. I I was expecting Crockett and Tom. And they got Trudy and Tubbs yeah. having a relationship in this one. It's just and Nagina hardly has anything going on. They just it just it was very lackluster. They could have done something better with this. They could. Do they have the but, original actors uh, making a cameo anywhere? Or no? They made a cameo. They do. Okay. I think they made a cameo, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure they did a cameo. I think they were in the bar. I can't remember, but it was just. Oh wait, they were cops at the end. I think. Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> they were just I like think. unnamed cops, like in the background somewhere. Yeah, kind of sort of, but yeah. I mean, it, I say I watched it because I'm a fan of the show, but I was disappointed. But other than that, just watching some series, <clears throat> still, still doing Miami Vice and Doctor Quinn, and well, everybody's saying there's nothing to watch because there's no writing going on. I just go back 10, 20, 30 years. I've got plenty of content to watch. There's well, a hundred. There so, is a hundred and fifty years of cinema history you can watch, and I have 60, plenty, plenty 60, 70 they, years of television history. It's you can their bullshit in Hollywood. They do need to give those people more money, though. What they're asking for is 
two percent. That's what the writers are asking for. Is two percent? Not really outstandingly a lot. I mean, you know, for the guys who are writing the script, they're asking two percent. Give them the fucking money. Dude. Well, of, of all people, Fran Drescher is their spokesperson. What's well, uh, Yeah, that's a screen actor. Fran Drescher. And honestly, <laughs> Fran Drescher, it fell right on her lap when uh, when they put out that they wanted they wanted to have background actors come in for one day get a full body scan, get paid for one day, and then we never use you again. Right. And, you know, the, the perfect way to frame Isn't it is going, wild? What, if, what if your job told you to come in today, train a machine to take your place, and you're never, and we don't need you anymore. We're just going to pay you for crazy? today, and you just go away. I mean, that's, that's it's insane. Crazy. That's the equivalent of what's going on. So, th that, and that's, it fell right in their lap. And then the, uh, that whoever that idiot executive is, uh, that said, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep them out of work until they start losing their homes and losing yep. their apartments. And that's shitty. That is about as shitty you're, as shitty. You're just, man. you know, you're trying you're trying to frame the you know the the writers as being greedy. Meanwhile, you're like, no, we're just gonna keep them. We're just gonna keep them uh, out of work until they start losing their homes and their savings. Yeah, makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, whoever that was, that that was not good PR. <laughs> <laughs> probably needs to get fired. <laughs> Seriously. Probably can't because he's probably in charge. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. Been boring this week. What about y'all, Keith? Um, well, uh, Ferris and I have been dipping into older stuff. So we watched The Music Man this week and Best Low Horrors in Texas. I love that movie. Uh, love, love, love. Yeah. And then we watched... Um, and then we're still watching Hijack with Idris Eba on um, Apple TV, which That's, is excellent. I want to see that. Is that a series almost, or a movie? I'm oh, serious. It's a series. Right. Hijack. Hijack. Oh, I've seen that advertised too. On, on Hulu, excellent. I think. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And then, um, then we watched Becky, which I think we talked about last week, but excellent. Highly recommend Becky on Becky. Shutter. Yeah. Um, on Shutter. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, we we, got... we discovered it was on Shutter in England. It's not on Shutter in the U.S. though, so oh, you and I might right. have to. That's right. Well, I got well, a the... VPN, so I can always log in somewhere. Oh, there you yeah. go. But the um, the sequels come out in America early this year and got fantastic reviews. But I highly recommend it. I went, got the Blu-ray came in and the sequels on its way, so that's excellent. Been picking up stuff for next year's podcast. I've got HR Puffin stuff in Blu-ray, which is excellent. And no, really looking forward stuff. to the Criterion collection of Freaks. Yes! Oh, no, finally! <laughs> finally! Not only Freaks, but also The Unknown, which is yep. my favorite uh, silent movie ever. I love Todd Browning. Maybe this. Maybe we should do Todd Browning at some point. And then mm. what was the, there's a third movie on the set, too, which I'd never seen before. I'll pull it up real quick because I uh, I'll pull up my uh, I'll pull up my Amazon pre-order so I could take a look at what the uh, the titles on, on it are, but yeah I am so looking forward to that set I cannot oh, wait for that one. It's about time that I know it'd be nice to get a copy of Freaks that's been like where the audio has been cleaned up. It yeah. might be for this. Be. Yeah, I'm hoping they will. I mean, it's Criterion, so it should be. So. The Mystic Criterion's is the even got their own channel now. I mean, they. they come. <laughs> Yeah, they have their own, they have their own channel over here. So they've had it it's for a $30 while. Thirty dollars a month over here. It's like, damn. Is it that expensive? Thirty dollars a month. Oof. You I, don't get, know I think you get to Amazon for a little bit cheaper. 
Yeah, you um, might be able to. I, ours is through Amazon. It's a little bit cheaper over here through Amazon. I, I don't know if it's on my Amazon. I might have to check mm. that out. Might be. Amazon's but, um, screwing up. Mm -hmm. well criterion does so much work that's why all their stuff's expensive that's why you know when when the uh the 50 off sale happens at barnes and noble every year right sean and i like go yo dude get up barnes and noble does sean one? like anything he ever sees every time we see <laughs> does he like anything i uh he does like a lot of stuff i i <laughs> like lately I don't like this don't like that don't go see indiana jones <laughs> I've, well, I mean, I've I've heard from more than from yeah, so more, you know, almost everybody that Indiana Jones is awful. Um, the uh, I mean, with with me, I I tend to be lenient towards how much I like most films because I've made them and I kind of realize how much work goes into. Like, it takes a miracle to make a bad movie, so to make a a, a passable movie is you know a pretty big uh, miracle, and to make them uh, to make a masterpiece is like virtually impossible. So I, I I tend to be a little more lenient on a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, Dude's watched, coming out. That one's coming mm, out too. There's a whole lot of yeah, stuff. I watched, uh, yeah, I watched Babylon over the weekend, so that was interesting. The uh, one with it, Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. Yeah, I love. I do that need to movie. see that. Absolutely I do need to see that. that so it, it was good. I enjoyed it, sort of thing. Well, that was really well put together and. That's about it, really. Catching here and there, and this thing and that thing. We're rewatching the, the Mindy Project and Modern Family and Raising Hope and a bunch of comedy series because we can. You're just watching old shit those. too. Not just. Well, I don't really watch a lot of new shit anyway, so I mean, I'll be yeah, honest. Well, I don't like a lot of the new <laughs> I shit. I really don't go to the movies. Balls. I don't see any originality lately. I'm waiting for originality. I wanted to go see Barbie, but everybody's eating to go see that. Yeah, but I am what's, go the see what's the What's the deal of this Bobby movie? Oh, I don't know. I, guess I know I, nothing. I don't. Well, see, you got people just battling, battling, whatever. And well, I just want to go see it because people. when I was a little girl, Barbie ruled. Okay, and men did not matter in the Barbie world. So if they emasculate <laughs> men in the Barbie kingdom, it's because that's just the way it is. We didn't mm. need men in the Barbie world. There's a freaking doll. <laughs> the, the thing I've heard about is that it's it's a very hyper feminist movie, and hey, that's fine. That doesn't mean that doesn't make it necessarily bad. No, um, it I will. I I, do I met a couple people. Yeah, I met a couple people who said they didn't like it, and I met one person who said it was okay. I, I heard everybody I, mean, everybody I talked to liked it. I'm just. I'm gonna wait to. I mean, I'm. I'm not going to the movie theaters to see it. To be honest with I'll you, I'll wait for it to like, stream probably. But I'm gonna I guess go see I, the Meg because we gotta see the Meg. Yeah, movie. yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go see, I'm gonna go see Meg too with Jason Stratham. I'll go see that. So that's more my speed. I love I'm Jason. Just, <laughs> I did go see Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, and that is excellent. I heard Mission Impossible was awesome. It's absolutely mm -hmm. fantastic. Uh, Tom Cruise is a madman. Um, and he definitely climax. puts out a good product. Love or hate him, he puts out a good movie every time. Yeah, except uh, the, for Legend. Well, not not every <laughs> time. It not is every time. Kind of okay. The mummy, the mummy. May I remind you? <laughs> <laughs> the mummy. No wait, the mummy. I forgot about the mummy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Every once in a while, he hits a it's a wrong That's note, but it's very rare. Yeah, the mummy was really fucking. Bad. <laughs> it's really well, bad. What do you mean bad? You mean the original Mummy? I loved it. No, 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 well, they did oh, a no. 2017 Tom, Tom Cruise. Oh, Tom Cruise. Okay. yeah, the Tom Cruise. I couldn't one. finish it. I couldn't I finish that one. It. That bad, huh? 
Um, but as far as Dead Reckoning, the climax on the train is just fantastic. Like every time you think like the you think it's over and you can breathe, something else happens and your heart jumps again. And they are they're already shooting the next one. So you know you know these characters you know that, that, that Ethan Hunt is gonna be fine, but you but still you and you know Tom Cruise survived the stunt on the motorcycle because he's alive to promote the movie. It. Well, he did yeah. it in real life. Everybody's seen yeah. him doing running going up to the he's got balls for sixty something years old. I mean, he does does. These are just low hanging. He's, I don't he's know got balls. He he's got balls for twenty something year olds. You know? oh, I know. <laughs> That, I mean, just some stunt still. I, I find it amazing. And on that note, let's talk about The Orphanage, which is a 2007 gothic supernatural horror film and the debut feature of J.A. Bayona. The film stars Belen Ruda as Laura, Fernando Cayo as her husband, Carlos and Roger Princepel as their adopted son, Simon. The plot centers on Laura, who returns to her childhood home and orphanage. Laura plans to turn the house into a house home for disabled children, but after an argument with Simon, he goes missing. The film script was written by Sergio G. Sanchez in 1996 and brought to the attention of Bayonet in 2004. Bayonet asked his longtime friend, director Guillermo del Toro, to help produce the film and to double its budget and filming time. The Orphanage is, was an international co-production between Spain and Mexico. Bayona wanted the film to capture the feel of the 1970s Spanish cinema. He cast Geraldine Chaplin and Bella Ruda, who were later praised for their roles in the film. The film opened the Cannes Film Festival on the 20th of May, 2007, where it received a standing ovation lasting more than 10 minutes. It received domestic critical acclaim in Spain and won seven Goya awards, including original screenplay and new director. On its North American release, The Orphanist was praised by English-speaking critics who described the film as well-directed and well-acted, and know the film's lack of cheap scares subsequently. New Line Cinema brought the rights to the film for an American remake, which is yet to surface. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer of The Orphanage and be right back. Simon! Simon! There are children who can see a hidden world whose imagination opens their eyes. Place. 
children play. When they're alone in the dark. Back to the Jaws podcast. We're discussing the orphanage from 2007. So, Davi, what are your thoughts of the orphanage? Well, so before we even getting into talking about it, all I can say is I'm grateful you actually made me watch this movie. This is what I call the horror movie that I love. This is the type of horror movies I love. And then this is in connection. Then, if you remember the whole in another podcast when I say that I love the Japanese ring. This is the sort of horror movies that are like that they have depth and that is not just about the cheap jump scare like we talked about. That there's so much depth and there's so many layers of understanding and meanings of um, the whole story. It's incredible. Uh, plus, um, I thought I wa- I've watched the orphanage before. I actually never watched it. Um, but Guillermo del Toro. Yes, I watched so many things about his this 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 guy. So I watched the oh, shape God, of you water. You can always tell when Del Toro's got his hand in anything. It just I know yeah, he just sort it. of produced this, but he kind of takes on a Del Toro life of its own, no matter what. <laughs> you know? well, he, he has that um he has that fantasy storybook gothic style with, with all his movies. I was talking to a and, friend of mine the other day, and I said that Guillermo del Toro is making today the movies that. Uh, I feel like Tim Burton would have been making if oh yes he wasn't yes. so He's hampered by the Tim studios Burton, yeah. all the time right he, he, yeah uh, I, I, love, da- I love I love yeah David go ahead and finish your thought because like we we jumped in on you there I'm sorry about no that. it's right. fine absolutely this this no 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 for the love of God I mean this is just jumping into each other we're talking we're having a conversation this is absolutely fine um I watched a lot of stuff of him like The Shape of Water for me was incredible right. a lot of people didn't like and it other, I love and that. for me it was in, it was a beautiful romantic story. And then obviously everybody say like, oh, it's kind of ended up bad. And I'm like, well, no, this is like. Well, they were together of, in the end. Uh, so I guess exactly my cool. point. But but it's kind of like that. It's got that little hint of darkness and in, in, into the sort dark of like dark sadness. fairy tale. This movie was gut wrenching yes. sad. I don't know about the rest of it. Yeah. I thought it just ripped your heart out at the end. But, I mean, it was well, like. I it promise you that. It was. The, and the you way- knew that kid was dead. And they kept. I mean, it's like what the hell you know this what this movie just summed up parents please listen to your children because sometimes <laughs> when they're talking no. to imaginary people they might actually be there because children are very astute and intuitive <laughs> these people just did not pay attention to this child I mean, well, I, I oh sorry so go ahead go ahead Oh, I mean, what I was going to say is, is because of the setup that the kid, you know, you only see the, uh, you know, these ghosts if you're already dying. The kid had, you know, HIV. That's so I true. Think, I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. That, that, that was that, that was the one thing is she she was she was so hopeful. But at one point, I think how long was the kid missing? At one point, like ten months or something. Like at least eight or nine months, I think. I think she said at one point he's been missing like nine, like over nine months. Uh, yeah, you know, at that point, well, it, it, you wouldn't blame them for giving up hope, but at but that she point, also, like, she, she's also the cause of his death. Yeah. Yes. She didn't know about that, but she was. So, so when she's hearing the knocking in the wall, it's him knocking, trying to get out because he's locked in the basement. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. 
And well, then she, it, it happened on the same day. They loved that kid, though. You could even know they loved him. But I mean, I, I just, I just thought the whole dynamic was weird. She wants to come back and set up an orphanage. This place just already is just creepy haunted. I mean, I wouldn't. Well, the thing, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, it wasn't haunted at the time because what happened was, but wasn't it though? She, no, no, because no, what happened? She, she's a little she girl gets, gets she, adopted. Yeah, she gets adopted in the beginning, and right. then after she gets adopted, they kill all the kids. Right. So that happens after she left. So she thought that they just got adopted out. She didn't know that they were killed, mm -hmm. and it's only when she right. came back and first, and she never met Thomas. Thomas was never out with the children because Thomas was kept in the basement, always hiding. Because his disfigurement, they didn't want him to be with the other children. Who's who's who was the who was his mother? I can't remember. Uh, the, Geraldine Chaplin. Um, no, the yeah. Yeah, yeah, the old the old woman. Okay. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. But um, and the reason and the reason why she came back it was had nothing to do with Simone at all. It was basically to set to hide the bodies of the children that were yeah that were still Remated. on the premises. Yeah. So that Did was she have, okay. This is where I got kind of got convoluted for me. Did she have something to do with their death? Because she absolutely knew where to find their cremated remains. She was there at the time. I mean, she was there. She was there at the orphanage when it closed down. So obviously, she was part of it. I think right. she was the one poisoning them. She yeah. poisoned them with uh, the cake. She poisoned fruit yeah. cake. Blackberries. It was the blackberries that were significant yeah. for a reason. So she was there. And the thing is, I mean, the main, and, and this is where it gets a bit strange as well. I mean, the reason why she, you know, killed them is because they're closing the orphanage and there's no place for them to go. Right. But this is this is exactly what I mean. This is this is the way he writes the story. There's another movie that spans labyrinth. This is the first ever movie I've watched right. of Guillermo yeah. del Toro, and it's got exactly the same tones. Depending on your perspective, the story is scary, horrible, dark, or it can be just like sweet and romantic, bittersweet. I don't know how to explain it, but like I, for, I'll give you an example. You think like, okay, but this this woman's crazy. She killed she killed children and whatever. She was horrible. Change perspective, and that was like a sort of. Please, please take the words I say as the pinches of soul. But this is a kind of act of compassion. At the same time, at the end, she dies and whatever, she, and the kids is dead. What perspective? And suddenly you see a woman who finally met the child she loves so much. In Pan's Labyrinth, it's exactly the same way. The, 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 um, the girl at the end dies, so it's a bad story. But actually, she goes back to her parents. And then she's got like the spiritual parents sort of thing, like in a fairy tale. So if you change perspective, you can understand the other side of the story. It's like it's got multiple layers and it gives you like a sort of different perspective and things. Mm -hmm. makes you think, yeah. you know, I, this is the way I see it. This, this is the love there's no, and there's no like, there's no villains of the piece either. There's no exactly. monsters. Yes. No. And there's no there's no monster. There's no cheese scared. Oh, I love it. I and, it. Uh, but you also have to understand that. When the orphanage was closing, we're looking at Franco mm -hmm. Spain. We're not looking at Spain today. We're looking That's at true. Franco. That's Spain. true. Franco totally was still in power. Dynamic. Franco was in power until the, the late the mid mid to late eighties. He wasn't a nice guy either. So, <laughs> Definitely well, not. It was, it, was, it was a dictatorship. So you know, I don't think I don't think I don't think anyone's ever strived underneath a dictatorship ever. So. <laughs> this is also um, uh, another speaking of Del Toro. Speaking of you know. Uh, uh, I think it was actually the first show I did with you guys was uh, the orphan, uh, uh, not the orphanage, the Devil's Backbone. 
it's kind of yeah. it's kind of reminiscent at times of that. I mean, the Devil's Backbone had much clearer lines of good and evil drawn, uh, but you you have a lot of the same tropes. You have the uh, you know the orphaned kids. You have the ghosts uh, the ghosts showing up who just wants everyone to know what happened to them. Um, well, this, uh, people, I mean, this also fits really. Yeah, and this fits very well into that um, Del Toro Spanish Civil War. You know, Pan's Labyrinth and Devil's Backbone are companion pieces, and the Orphanage kind of fits in with this companion piece as well. So, yeah, it does kind of, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, supposed to be a there's supposed to be a trilogy coming with Del Toro with his Spanish um, Civil War really films, but it hasn't come as yet so it'll be interesting to see what that happens when that comes out so he had a series oh. out on netflix i finished watching yes the the cabinet of careers yes oh my it. god it was i awesome. loved it i hated and, seeing that one end those were some good stories i mean i love that I hope yes yes yes, yes. That was incredible though it's under a different dictator his pinocchio fits in with this too mm, although that was yeah. you know oh, that, yeah. was, Mussolini, that was Mussolini, that was but uh, but yeah, that kind of fits in with this too. He's he's thematically he goes through a lot of the same ideas a lot. They seem to be the ones that that you know uh, stick with him. But it's all but yeah, it fits in with this this dark fairy tale uh, yes. style of film that he loves making. But even even in Pan's Labyrinth, I think there's a, there's a whole war going on. So do, do you think that maybe that? The dark side of the fairy tales comes out as a, like a sort of a consequence of the political and social yeah, uh, environment. Exactly, and yeah. it's kind of like, look how dark life gets when bad things happen in politics and like, democracy yeah. goes well, downhill. Keith and I have talked about this on the podcast a bunch of times. When you have a government that's very restrictive, you end up mm -hmm. getting a wealth of horror and fantasy movies. It happened in yeah, the 30s during the Depression. 20s, they come out some good ones too. Yeah, the, th uh, you know, the 80s. The, uh, the, yeah, the 80s. Um, the 70s with the, with, the, with the gas crisis and post-Vietnam and the United That's States is trying to find its own soul. And you had a, lot a whole of, thesis on that uh, for a master's uh, people degree. Have, uh, people have. People have written entire theses uh, uh, on this. Um, and yeah, Del Toro, he looks, I guess... For him, it's the Spanish Civil War and life under the very uh, the very restrictive Franco regime, which um, uh, he had a weird Franco had a weird thing about horror movies. Like he was not a fan of horror movies if they took place in Spain or if like Spaniards were involved to the point where the most um, one of the most famous um, Spanish horror series is the Paul Nashi Wolfman series where he plays uh, uh, the Count Valdemar Daninsky, who's uh, turned into a werewolf. And uh, Franco would not approve because they had to approve media. Excuse me. They had to approve any films and anything under that, uh, oh, wow. under that regime. He would not approve the film unless um, the, uh, the werewolf was not a Spaniard. So he had to change the name to Valdemar Daninsky and make him Polish. So now, oh, <laughs> now they allow the movies to go through. I've been watching, uh, but I think I, I think I might have sent you a clip of one because I was watching one the other night where Paul Nashie wrestles a tiger in uh, <laughs> the Beast of the Magic yeah. Sword, and that was 1981, so there's no CGI. So that tiger is, you know, actually wrestling with him. But yeah, that's uh, uh, that's how restrictive it was. Uh, Jess Franco left yeah. uh, left Spain to go make to go make his movies in France. 
because he did not want to did not want to deal with the uh, the Franco regime. Um, God, who's the other one uh, who made um, Vampires and Edge of the Axe? He also was a was a Spanish expatriate because he just he was not going to do it. He wasn't going to do all this. Uh, Jose Ramon Larraz. He just completely decided, I'm out. I'm going to go make movies in England. <clears throat> and that's where he made a lot of that stuff. He made uh, Edge of the Axe in the United States. So, yeah, a lot of these filmmakers, except for Paul Nashi and Armando Diosario, who are the only two that I think found a way to work within the system, everyone else just kind of left. Um, but uh, and, and, yeah, you could see also Del Toro wanted to pay homage to – Spanish horror films, you could see it here because it does have that gothic, uh, early Definitely 70s, got the gothic, going the gothic early 70s vibe special. that uh, that a lot of those movies had. That yeah. house alone, that they, that, I mean, the that, I mean, that that had its own persona in itself. The house did. I mean, I think, I mean, the director of this, I mean, he's done some fantastic stuff. He did The Impossible mm -hmm. about the, the earthquake and he did uh, The Monster Within. That fairy tale with Sigourney Weaver, and you know he's done, and he also he did the first two episodes of Penny Dreadful. Oh, oh yes, that one. I wonder what. Why did they stop that series? That was such a great series. Cost probably cost, and I think <laughs> the ratings are falling off a little bit. But he also directed some episodes of the new Lord of the Rings series as well on Amazon. So. Yeah, I wish they, they could have done a little better with that. I was really excited for that series. We'll see what happens with the second season. And his uh his biggest um his biggest hit, his most well known movie is uh the, the, the second Jurassic World movie, the um Fallen Kingdom, which yeah not uh, not the most uh beloved <laughs> movie, yeah. but I liked it. It's got dinosaurs, but it's got dinosaurs, it's always <laughs> bonus, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch. <laughs> Got dinosaurs. I mean, I think. I mean, um, I mean, I get this is another thing that I quite like about Del Toro because Vanya met Del Toro. Why <laughs> Del Toro just come out with Kronos, and it was at Stegis. Stegis, if you don't, um, if anyone out there knows, Stegis is the number one European horror film festival. Um, and it's it's um it's right outside of um. Um, the Basque region, right outside of Bilbao, or Barcelona. Sorry, not Basque region. Um, outside of Barcelona, but um, but he met him. Um, Del Toro goes, oh, you know, I'm interested in making a film, and Del Toro goes, well, let me take you for a drink and have a talk with you. So they went and have a conversation and had a drink, and after an hour, Del Toro goes, I tell you what, if you're really serious about getting in the business, let me know, and I'll help you whatever I can do. And Del Toro lived up to the lived up to it so you came up to it with about you know eight years later goes remember when i met you as Deges? and del toro goes yes i remember you very very well he goes i want to make the orphanage and that's how it started oh that's amazing you know so you know and del toro i mean so when you when you talk about the netflix series of del toro these um those um i don't know if del toro del toro didn't direct any of those episodes they were all directors who Del Toro said he would right, help them out, right. help them get a start. But it was his brainchild. Oh. That's well, right. No, he was a different director what, for each episode. You're right. But, but yeah. what I'm saying is, is um, he did it so to help these directors out, to get their word out there and get their that get, get them started, to help push them further. Which, to be honest, for someone who's established, I mean, it's very rare that you hear directors doing that for other directors. 
really right. yeah. to that extent. You know what I mean? And I mean, that's why I think, and and another thing about Del Toro is like, if you buy, a, if you get a Blu-ray <clears throat> of a Del Toro film, um, you know, The Shape of Water, for instance, and there's, there's a segment where he's talking, you know, he draws all the audience together and goes, let's just talk about movies. And he can tell that he has this really love and this passion for it. And he's looking so much further to push it along. And it's very rare that anything that Del Toro puts his name to actually crashes a little bit. It doesn't. It always seems to hold up, you know. Whether you're thinking about Hellboy, Blade 2, you know. Splice. Um, Late too, and he's seen everything. That's the other thing about Del Toro is he's got yeah. that Quentin Tarantino. I've seen every movie ever made vibe <laughs> to him. I read a tweet recently by um, uh, a journalist who was at the uh, who was at the Oscars, one of the Oscars dinners, and the table she was seated at was with Del Toro, and Del Toro was kind of holding court, able to talk about whatever movie anybody wanted to talk about so she's like I, she's like i'll just bring up this like random you know 1950s noir that i didn't think anybody else saw and del toro's eyes would light up and he would just start talking to me about all oh, the intricacies oh, of this scene and this scene and this scene the guy has seen everything uh that, that's the other that's the other thing that amazes me is how does he have the time to see all these movies he must immerse Thank himself and then make these fantastic movies but that's because yeah. that's his love and passion in his yeah. life. That's his focus. So when you're so passionate that you forget about everything, wake up in the morning and think, what am I going to watch? What am I going to start doing? And, oh, my God, I'm in love with this guy. <laughs> just really, saying. seriously, when it says Del Toro, just because it says Del Toro, I'll usually hang with the movie and check it out. I do. I mean, you know? I, I, I even liked his first American movie, which is Mimic. Yeah, I love Mimic. A lot of people don't like it. I liked it. I don't do cockroaches for the most part, but you know, I like. I love that movie. I do. It's really. I didn't see Mimic too because everybody told me it sucked. But well, he didn't do that one. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. It had nothing to do with him. Well, then that's why it sucked. <laughs> I think. I think. I think Dimension Films just ran with the franchise after that. So right. Yeah. But um. But I mean, the, the the script writer himself who wrote The Orphanage, I mean, he's done some really good stuff as well. I mean, Marrowbone with Anya Taylor-Joy is really good. I have not you know, seen and, that one. And, and the Netflix and the Netflix series The Girl in the Mirror is also, he wrote that as well. I don't have well. to watch that. So, Sergio Sanchez. So, so I'm looking him up and right I have well, what about the, the wait? But what about the the parents in this movie, though? I mean, were they just an old, comfortable pair of shoes? Did they like being married? Did they like co-parenting? Because it just seemed like those guys just did not have any. I don't know. Well, the I felt sorry the for the kids. No, I mean, no. I think, I think, I think the husband was a doc. The husband was a doctor. She hmm. and they loved each other. They loved Simone. The thing is, I mean. I mean, what you have to remember is that they have the love of their child and they weren't ignoring their child at all. What happened basically was, it's like all of a sudden this game starts and they didn't want Simone to know he was adopted and they didn't want him to know right, that he was HIV right. positive. And then that comes out. And so basically he's yelling at her and she's like, she she's freaking out because like, first of all, how did he hear this? Where did this game come from? Because she doesn't believe in all this stuff. And she, you know, and then she, she, um, she hits them and feels regret for it. She didn't mean, you know, you know, kind of frazzled. And, you know, you also have to remember that 
when Simone goes missing, she has a house full of disabled children because they're finding children to put in the home. So he goes, I want to go see you. My friend. She goes, oh, no, we'll do this later. I want to do it now. And she's like, I got these all these people downstairs. She can't do it now. So she's not being an uh, unattentive mother. She's like, you know, you stay up here. I'll come down, you know, come down later. And of course, he went down to the basement. She didn't know he was in the basement. She's looking around for him. She finds all this stuff, stuff out of the cup because they had the work being done. So what do you, you know, the thing is, I would have done the same thing. It's like I saw all this stuff coming out of the cupboard. I would just picked it up and pushed it in the cupboard and shut the door. Right. Not knowing that there's another door on the other side of this cupboard that's a secret door. Right. So, and, and the thing is, they love their child. And the thing is, is, you know, they're searching high and low for the child when he goes missing. And then, you know, we get six months later. Right. And then what we have is you got the mother holding on and the father thinking someone's taken him. He's dead. So then you got this pole going between the two. And like, and then like, and then he's like, the father's trying to keep it together. Doesn't mean he doesn't love his son. It's just like, well, we need to move forward. Oh, they absolutely love their boy, but they they just have some kind of weird dynamic. But they also... But you also have like a double different perspective because the father is being logical and rational. Well, he might just be dead. Well, you, well, Are you saying the, the woman is like rational, David? No, 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 no. For the <laughs> other oh, boy, he's walking to that, didn't the, he? No, the mother has got that connection and she's like, I can feel it. Something is going on. There are ghosts. There are kids. There's something she happening. She's like, there's something scared. else. And then what the husband is like, no, this is crazy. No, this, this must be a logical thing. And then, in fact, she managed to, let's just say, connect to the other side because of the spirits of the kids, etc. And then eventually she finds out the, the, the son. And then the husband, instead of she, he has to listen to her and she says, just, you know, just give me some time and come back. And he, and he goes. And then the end, she crosses beyond with when, death. And, when the father sees that, that, that the necklace at the end, Clearly, when he turns around, he sees his wife probably in her new role as the haunted mama taking care of all the dead. He, uh, but you got to remember when he gave her the the, the St. Christopher Medal, which is the medal for what is it? For travelers. Lost, lost, lost things. And lost things, travelers. Lost children. And the thing is, he says that I don't give me, you don't need to give this back to me until you find Simon. Right. When you when yeah, we find Simon, you can get you can give me back the metal, and he gets right. the metal so back. That's that means he they find that. So, and what you and the thing is, you could tell that he loved her because he put a plaque out in front. Right. It ends with the plaque about you know his, we, about we his wife and Simon. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a gut wrenching ending, though, because here she is really looking is. for him. She finally finds him. He's he, he desiccated because he's been you know rotting in the cellar somewhere. And she takes a handful, I guess they were sleeping pills. And it's just so yeah. sad. It's like one of the saddest, scary movies I've ever well, seen. But then but she's it? happy. But then she's happy when she But she's happy, it. but it's sad that she has to kill herself to be happy. You know what I mean? So Yeah, but but the thing is, but it's kind of weird because it's sad if you look at it that way. But then exactly, if you look yeah, at yeah. the other way, it's quite a happy ending because she's returned to her childhood friends. This is why and she's going to take care of them. And Thomas is going to feel the love that maybe he didn't get in life after death. Because Thomas is, Thomas becomes Thomas becomes part of this as well. Yes, and he's there, he's, he's smiling and laughing with the kids. Right, but yeah. he does. But no I can't remember. I, I watched this last month. 
Did he have his sack on his head, or was he a normal no. child? No. Well, after she dies, he he's you could he's see normal. his yeah. Well, right, his face okay. is still you know deformed, but, but you he could, doesn't have to wear. But a he sack doesn't have the he doesn't have to wear the sack anymore. He has acceptance. Okay, and I can't remember love. whether he was miraculously beautiful or if he was still the same. No, he, he's he's beautiful. He's beautiful. He becomes beautiful from within because he's accepted and loved. Right. Which which and when he was alive, he's rejected and shunned. Yeah. So there. So even though it's, it has a sad thing to it, there's also this beautifulness that's underflowing everything at the same time, and that's what makes the or for me. That's why I love the orphanage because it has so many different levels, and it's like it's just it's a like, well oh my god, this is. Really well, you think, awful. oh God, this is horrible. Oh my God. And then you have the guilt of the mother, which she finds him on, like feeling the guilt. It's like, oh my God, this is cause for me. Because then she remembers, like, shit, I'm, I'm the cause of this. And then, you know, and then you have, but then you have like these really eerie moments where she's playing that, what, they're playing that game that the movie starts with, you know, the knock, yeah, the knock, 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 knock game. Yeah. yeah. And the one, two, three. And then the kids <laughs> come in. That's just creepy as hell, now that I think about it. But and he didn't another even thing mind that... that the movie was subtitled or in a different language. It was so great. Mm. It was such a good movie. Mm. It, it wasn't even that... tedious to try to figure out what's going on. I'm glad that I didn't watch one with English dubbed anything because it would definitely took away from. I don't. Movie. Th they did. They didn't. They actually didn't do an English dub of this film at all. I, well, I couldn't find one. I was going to say I don't think it exists. So it, it would have uh, taken away from it had they done mm. a voiceover. It would definitely. And another thing, even when Simon, you know, Simon's looking for his treasure, and if you go through and he and he, it's quite funny because I've seen this movie multiple times, and you know, watching it again for this, you, you kind of watch things a bit differently than you normally do. And if I, I also figured out that everything that he's finding are clues to what's going on as well. The seashells, the ring, the right. key, the yeah, the, I forgot about the, that. It's like the symbolism, the the, the, lock, yeah. the the lock, the lock cupboard. You know, it all leads up to what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, which is kind of like oh, which yeah, this this is a perfect ghost story, and there aren't that many. It is. Hmm. It's a really cool ghost story. That is a great analogy. Yeah, but there are also See? parallels going on and on over and over. Like 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 when you said, for example. The, the things from one side to another, you know, when we said we're crossing from the reality to like this sort of like virtual world, whatever you want to call it. So you see, I don't know, the treasure hunt at the beginning when they're together. And then she does the treasure hunt at the end when she's looking for the kids or the lighthouse at the beginning, you, it's it's off, but then she goes beyond and finally the lighthouse works again. Or the, mm -hmm. like you say, the ugly kids becomes beautiful. Or, I don't know. That's a lot of this parallels. It's just, I, I loved it. I just loved it. It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. That's all I can say. Yeah, I, 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 I have to agree with that. I, I think it is actually. I think it is actually perfect. And it's, um, you know, I, I've said this a few times, and like, if you really think about it, the, the very core of human existence, what we want more than anything else, more than money, more than sex, more, than, it's always acceptance. That's ultimately, I think, what everybody wants is acceptance. They want to be accepted by those around them. And uh, Tomas wasn't in life. I, although, all right, the way, I guess we do need to talk about it. the way Tomas died. Um, it's the kids took his mask and they were trying to get him to come out of the cave and he right. wouldn't. And I don't know. I you know just watched this movie like two nights ago and I don't know if I if I missed it, but I didn't see anything as to whether or not the kids were doing this maliciously. Right. 
or not. I don't, that I don't know. I don't, I don't I know if it's something I might have missed. I don't know. I just think they are being little turds like kids will be little turds. Yeah. I don't think kids they- hurt each other. Kids had we hurt each other without even knowing, and then yeah. suddenly you hurt, but you don't even know why. Whatever, but I also didn't mean to hurt you. They just playing, you know. It's but just another really another thing. You have these kids who are all disabled in some form or yeah. another, and They're to find Tom, and then and and I imagine that there is ridicule that they ever went to town and everyone's staring and stuff like this. So with Thomas being more disfigured than they were. Probably gave them a chance to be on the upper plane this time and start and Possibly. do a little bit of bullying that they probably experienced most of their lives as well. And and it's a kid's mentality anyway. I mean, the thing is, you know, you know, what starts off as caroling or you know, or fun can it can turn it can turn very dark very fast with kids anyway. I know, you know, even in my own childhood and stuff like this, you're playing around and you're kidding around and it it only all it takes is a split second for things to go dark where things can get a bit nasty or exactly. a joke a joke turns kind of you know kind of nasty and you know, and and because when you're a kid, you don't know when to stop anyway. Well, most adults don't know when to stop. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, even as adults, we do that. I, you know, yeah. um, I made I made a joke to someone at work a couple weeks ago that I thought was good natured, and she like flung something at me, and I was like, oh, okay. And I mm-hmm. went and talked to her, and I apologized for it because sometimes you joke around with each other so much that you don't realize that oh shit, that comment actually stung that person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You just have to be wary of it and be able to. Somebody explained that to me. It's like you have a pebble and you have a boulder. You think you've thrown a pebble, but you've actually dropped a boulder and don't yeah. realize that that person is not going to respond the way you want them to. So, uh, you another, need to also... I, I, but another thing is you have to remember that what might be funny today and you might be joking around today, if the person doesn't wake up in the right mood, all of a sudden yeah. it, it could feel like an insult. So it all, yeah, there's uh, not just a joke. You kind of have to like measure what, uh, what other people's mindset are that time. And of course, we unless can't. you're Keith and you're like in a really shit ass mood and you'll just text the fuck with you. And if you could just had a horrible day, but you don't you care. Know, you know, it's funny. Your, your relationship with Keith is kind of like, uh, it's kind of like Sean and I were like, I, I will constantly break his just balls. Don't give a he, shit. Just, he just, <laughs> And you know, some sometimes, yeah, sometimes maybe I maybe I say things that I'm like that immediately I'm like, oh shit, I shouldn't. Say he that. doesn't say oh shit though. At least you got a conscience. That <laughs> <right there does. laughs> oh, I apologize every once in a while. Once in a while. The thing, when, the when thing I, about when, any when I when I, was, I think about it, like after an hour or two, when I think about it, I was like, oh, I've already gone too far. Oh, I better apologize because obviously it's like you know this could be taken wrong. The, th- the thing is, like, I, I think, yeah, the, the, the three of us here are New Yorkers. And I think that's part of part of the part of the thing of New York is, is the ball breaking, you know, yeah, and lots it, of ball breaking. It, it, you know, you might think if I'm breaking your balls, I hate you. No, if you, if if, if I don't like you. Yeah, yeah, if I don't like you at all. You, I don't even know you exist. The time of day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't I'm like OK, so it, if I think I'm breaking your balls, if I'm breaking your balls, I like you. I think it's the That's same the in the I, UK. I, I think it's the same yeah. in the UK. The more they bully you, the more they like the more they like you. It took me like years to understand that. I thought everybody was just evil in this country. <laughs> I'll tell you what can I say. I know it now. I know it now. I please I know it now. It took many years for me to understand. I just thought people were douchebags. I was like, sorry for that. Right. Just generally, I thought that people were just mean. And I was like, no, Davido, grow up. 
And then now it's better. Now I understand for us, it's I mean, not personal. Second is a there's, joke. There's an yeah, yeah, obviously there's a lie, but context, yeah. context is the biggest thing in English. And it's much more important than in Italian language. In Italian, right. we have precise words, and it means one thing. In English, you have context. And context is important. If you don't understand context, then you, it's, you easily misunderstand. Plus, you you know, I say you as like everybody, and I talk about me specifically because I've learned that uh, you need to have a little bit Plus, more. Plus, you need to learn how to take a fucking joke once in a while. Exactly, yes. You up. need to be less sensitive. And I've always been overly sensitive. <laughs> I promise I've always been overly sensitive and I've learned and I've grown. But I think yeah. I think when you get older anyway, once you get to know yourself more and more and more, you can start taking. Yeah, I mean, I could take the piss out of myself. You, I mean, anyone can come at Same me. Here. I'm fine with it. Oh, you know? that's the best. When I, when I was young, when I was younger, yeah. I had a lot of insecure points. If someone says something like, oh, but you know, the older yeah, I get. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> now I just don't give a fuck. Life. You know, I mean, we don't really know either. <laughs> even if don't. people at work, I mean, I mean, we take the raz out of each other all the time. I mean, Nolan the other days goes, God, it's really warm in here. I said, No, you're just going through the menopause. So, <laughs> oh my God. You have to be you have to be careful about of work, you have to be careful yeah. because suddenly you say the wrong thing oh, and that's called oh, But that's we I mean, I I have everyone I've worked with, we've we've all worked together for the last 28 years together. Okay, so you have like a good so, relationship yeah. and time. Okay. And, and, they, and they say stuff to me, so you know. Always know your audience. If you know your audience, you can tend to get away. Exactly. You have to know who you could joke with in uh, in that in that way. Like if there's somebody new at my job, I'm not going to make the same jokes that I'm going to make say, with the hey, person no, that I've worked with for six or seven years, and I know that this person's going to be okay with it. You know, you like the, you just can't go up and call somebody anybody a twat and expect. No, you don't. No, that's I how you're going to get in trouble. All, but I think. Well, no, it's it's like I look at it as like it's like drug trials, right? You get you, you you give a little bit, see how they react to it. Give a little bit more, see how they react to it. And then when you, when, you, when you give a little bit more and they hit, they hit negatives, like okay, stopping point. That's the stopping point. Don't go yeah. past this point. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. It's like titrating up and down on medication. <laughs> And you 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 start to get a feel for the for the people around you, and you start knowing. Okay, I could joke around that way with this person. That person, no, that person is not yeah. the, is not the one to to go to with it. Uh, like hell, the other day, my uh, my manager walks up to me while I was uh, relieving the morning bartender, and he, he walks over to me. He goes, "Uh, because uh, you know, we got to do a sexual harassment thing every like four to six months or whatever." And mine Those was are always to- funny. Mine was about to expire, so he, my manager, walks over to me in front of the, uh, you know, in front of the uh, the bartender that I'm taking over for, and he walks over and he goes, "Joe, you need to work on your sexual harassment tonight." And she looks at him without even missing a beat and goes, "He doesn't need to work on anything. He's he's pretty he's pretty good at it." It's like, like, all right, it's perfect. You You have to have a reminder to take a class not to sexually harass the staff or the clientele. I apparently, mean, uh, apparently, well, we have to be certified every four months. You have to be yeah. certified in sexual harassment now. I've every four months, and I and I would I would like everybody here to know that as far as sexual harassment goes, I don't need any more certification. I am fantastic at it. I, bet I you can are. sexually okay. harass with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, believe me. I don't know you have to be harassed. They don't do that don't here sex, in Texas, yeah. so I don't. Gay pe- gay people don't sexual harass, so we don't have to take the course. <laughs> Oh, you guys are so innocent. You would do anything like that. I know. Unless her name is Kevin Spacey, then we might have to. But he's gotten oh, off. He Kevin got off. Spacey did not do anything wrong. He was acquitted. 
right? So yeah, we were just talking about that last week because we were like, yeah, I haven't heard anything about it. They and the verdict came out. They let him go for the sexual, the little boys anyway. Well, apparently, no, the, the, no, even all the stuff in England about the thingy, come to find out, it was just exaggerations is what's coming so out. So he never did any of that stuff? Well, a, cu- a couple of people recanted everything. And then the stuff that was said was kind of like, no, there's no proof or anything. And then there, then there was like he was never seen to be alone. He was never alone with any of them. That's the problem. They said they're they're going to start bringing up that Michael. They're going to revisit the Michael Jackson crap all over the guys. Well, I mean, well, I mean the Michael. Ja- I mean, but the thing is, the thing about Michael Jackson, there is proof that he shared a bed with him. Whether what happened in the right. bed is something Whether different. I mean, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the thing is, I don't. There's no sense. I mean, I don't know where they they think they can go with it because I don't know, dead. but they're going to dredge it back unless, up. Exactly. Yeah, unless you get a unless you get a Ouija board out and try to communicate. I don't know what do they expect to do with this. I mean, I see like, Kevin Spacey. That's going on at the moment. But yeah, well, it's like, uh, the, the problem with Kevin Spacey is that basically everyone jumped on the bandwagon and ruined his career before any uh, of this stuff came out. That's the problem. You gotta have proof. You really do before you destroy. I mean, somebody's and, and come to find out, it's like and. Um, from what I was reading through the BBC, the BBC that basically his career was ruined just by the first person being said because media just went, <laughs> everyone just jumped on it without even knowing the case, without even knowing all the all the facts and everything. Right. And that, well, he he, so he didn't maybe media. he didn't help he didn't help himself with those creepy fireside chat YouTube videos where. <laughs> Yeah. He definitely did not help himself. What was those. that anyway? It's just like, oh, what are well, you doing? <laughs> I mean, I mean, the thing about Kevin Spacey is, is that before all this happened, he was living here in England, and you know, and he would get mugged in Clapham Common in the middle of the night, saying that someone stole his phone. But what people outside of England or London don't know is that Clapham Common is a place where gay men go and get off with each other. <laughs> I can, so you'd be reading like you know Kevin Spacey like mugged in Clapham Common at like one in the morning. It's like what? Well, he obviously has so, so in England's like uh-huh. okay. <laughs> but um, oh, well, I mean, go ahead. I mean, going back to the orphanage, um, I guess what we should do is probably rate it. So let's start with you, David. How many stars do you give the orphanage? Ten stars and ten diamonds. <laughs> All my money. He likes something. <laughs> this one breaks the scale for him. I know. It's Absolutely. David, David also liked True Grit, the make and remake as well. Oh, he, he liked both. Yeah, he liked both. Awesome. I haven't listened to both. that one. I was so yeah, bummed I missed role. that. I love those movies. I love both of them. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Vix? How many stars do you give this? Oh, definitely a five. It was great. Mm-hmm. And yourself, Joe? I give it all five dead children that uh, that are in the movie. This one's was perfect. Five dead children? Uh, yeah, it was five. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. No, I give it five. Give it... I think it's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a solid a perfect... five as well. well it, it is. It's excellent. It's awesome. I think it's you're a horror fan or if you're just into mystery thrillers it's definitely a go-to 
yeah, I, I think I think if you're just if I don't I don't I, it's one of those movies that you don't need to be a horror fan or a drama fan or anything. If you just if you just want to see a good movie, you'll just get it. You just watch it and it just washes over you and you just There really isn't any jump scares, were there? Not really. <clears throat> Not really. The worst is Geraldine Chaplin's well, death. Yeah. I was gonna say her getting run over was probably the only jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah. And I find it weird also that most of the best ghost stories are directed are not American directed. The only one I can think of that's been good American directed was Robert Wise's The Haunting, but everything else is yeah. all foreign foreign directors, aren't they? They seem um, to get it. Yeah. Including including the other the other big release from Criterion uh, in October, which is going to be The Others, which is another yeah, one that others. I really, that, really Oh my god, love. that movie. Is that going to be is... a new or is that a oh, review? Yes. No, 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 it's the uh, Criterion's uh, the Criterion the original. Oh, so re-releasing. Yeah, Criterion's doing yeah. a big release for it, and I think it deserves okay. it. I love the other. And that so was and one. that was that was a Spanish director uh, as well. Yeah, Pedro mm-hmm. uh, Almodovar. Yeah. So that's another fantastic. Yeah, one. That was a creepy. That's an incredible. Yes. <laughs> I did not expect half of the endings. I I saw some of these movies. <laughs> like, did not expect. Did not see that coming. I think part. I think part of why a lot of the better ghost stories are from Europe is because you have all these old estates that you can you use. Are, and I think you're it so just seasoned and rich gives so history. much to the atmosphere of the movies. I, I think it mm-hmm. it adds so much. Uh, like even speaking of Del Toro, Crimson Peak, which I know is one of the ones that's yeah. not as well loved as most of his other it. movies, but that movie is so fantastic. Kevin, you'd you have know, to watch Crimson Peak. Look for Crimson Peak if you like. I it. have watched it already. I know it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh I've got to tell you, he's a Del Toro fan. Okay. Oh yeah. You know. You yes, know I'm sorry. That, I'm very biased. <laughs> I think the reason why European directors do ghost stories very well is because they mm-hmm. pace it. They pace it the well. They pace it slowly. They build slowly. Yeah. Where, where Americans are like, okay, we need something that we need something that pops every ten to twenty minutes. Yeah, the audience is. I think the audience is different. Which actually, um, what you think? Stephen, I think we're uh, a little more ADHD over here, and we're very patient. I do think uh, we are an audience. About 10 years ago, Stephen Gladstone and I wrote <clears throat> wrote a ghost story together, and we sent it out to a bunch of film festivals. We sent the screenplay out, and it wanted a couple, but then the ones where it didn't do well, the notes we got back were nothing happens for the first 50 minutes. I'm like, yeah, because we're building up the lore of what's going to happen in the last... Yeah. You know what I mean? Then you it's should, just, you should send it to some... You should send it to some European festival movies. You, Maybe that's what we need to do. Yeah, there you, you go. That's actually Maybe get, it, get in there and update it because yeah, we, we wrote it twelve years ago. I think it was two thousand eleven is when we started sending it out. We need actually to, a good know, idea, Joe. Update. Give it a try. You, know, you never know. To be honest, different audience, different cultures. Just this is generally why. Like, oh, Maybe gosh, reach out to Del Toro. Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe that's very good. You know, but yeah, I've always I've always liked the slow burn ghost stories. And yeah, Keith mentions the haunting, which is mm-hmm. God, can I think of it? Devil's backbone. Um Spanish. The other the changeling <laughs> um, is probably Spanish. One of the best ghost Oh, the changeling, changeling. Is, the changeling is American. It's American, yeah. Oh, it is American. Canadian. Oh no, it's, no, it's, it's Canadian. Oh, it's Canadian, it's Canadian. that's right. It's Canadian. It's Canadian. Oh, it is Canadian. Directed by a French Canadian as well, yeah. I think, I believe. Well, Peter do, we Mead, have, yeah. well, do we have any good American horror directors besides Carpenter? Well, we have good horror well, we have, directors. It's just that when it comes stories. to ghost stories, uh, we're going for the know. ghost stories. Yeah, okay. Who did? Well, who did? Peter, who did? Um, do you remember Ghost Story? Ghost Story with um, uh, Peter Straub. The Peter Straub one. Peter Straub's Ghost Story. Who did? Uh, the movie was by. I'll look it up real quick. I mean, the movie. The movie was problematic <laughs> in a way. A little bit. 
little bit. A little problematic. <laughs> but you did get to see Craig Wesson's penis as he's falling out of a tall As, as he's so. falling through the skylight. That ghost story was by John Irvin, who directed Raw Deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Next of Kim, and Patrick Swayze, Hamburger Hill. He made all those movies. So, director, yeah. not a not a director okay, who's I mean, known for his horror movies. Well, I mean, I think the problem with Ghost Story is is that you're taking a book that's about twelve hundred pages and condensing it into like an hour and a half. Yeah, there was so yeah. much. I mean, it even mentions Lowville, New York, in that story in the, in yeah. the book. I mean, they did not even barely scratch the surface of that whole novel. Ghost right? Story, Peter Schaub's Ghost Story would be something that would benefit now from like being turned into like an eight-part I wish Netflix somebody series. would do something with yeah. it. I, I I'm sure really someone will at some point. I wish somebody well, would. Lowville's also very famous because the original Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, Charlie Bucket. the Buckets, veterinarian there. The veterinarian there, yeah. So, which is weird. Charlie. I know why I settled in Lowville, New York to be a veterinarian. How random is that? I, I can't believe my sister them. drive. I yeah, my sister drives all the way there to take all her multiple. I heard zoo he's a hell of a vet. Our next film is Personal Shopper, which is a 2016 supernatural psychological thriller film written and directed by Oliver Assasis. The film stars Christian Stewart, a young American woman in Paris who works as a personal shopper for a celebrity and tries to communicate with her deceased twin brother. An international co-production between Belgium, Czech Republic, France, and Germany, the film was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or at the 2016 Cannes Film Festival. At Cannes, Assessés shared the Best Director Award with Christian Bungalow, who directed Graduation. The film was released on the 14th of December 2016, France, and 10th of March 2017 in the United States. It received positive reviews from critics, who were particularly praised for Stewart's performance. What we're going to do is cut to the trailer, A Personal Shopper, and be right back. What are you doing in Paris? I'll take it. This too. It's 500 for the belt and 2,000 for each bag. Great. I'm a personal shopper. Kira's very high profile. Hey, Kira. She can't do normal things. So I assist her. You have nothing better to do besides dress Kira? I'm waiting. What are you waiting for? My twin brother almost died here. It's been 95 days. We made this oath. Whoever died first would send the other a sign. From the afterlife. Has that always been there? Louis, are you here? I had a sign. Are you sure? There was a presence. Do you think Lewis is here? I don't know. Kira? I'm just gonna drop these bags for you, okay? Hey. Kira was murdered. What were you doing at her place? Why are you asking? I'm lost. 
I can't tell whether or not I'm going crazy. Unless I see you. Or is it just me? Welcome back to the Shots Podcast. We're discussing Personal Shopper from 2016. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Personal Shopper? Um, it's kind of a kind of a sandwich of a movie for me because, like, uh, except the, the the best parts are on the ends because that middle that middle portion, man, almost killed me. Like, why am I staring at Kristen Stewart's phone for 25 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I get how it's uh, it's a ghost story for modern age and. Um, I get the but idea. But is it a ghost story at this point? I mean, I think it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good question. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll 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 tackle that at the end because I could see how it can and how it can't be. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll tackle that. It um, is ghosties, but the ghosties but I, are really not wanting to come out and play in this one. Yeah, th- I, I, mean, that, that's, I found it a bit pretentious. That's it's that was my vibe Stewart, too. Okay. The only thing I kept going through my head was Twilight. I can't get that out of my head. I, I, I mean, <laughs> outside of Twilight, I will give Christian Stewart a lot of credos because she's a fucking fantastic actress. I've seen they, everything they, I've they seen they her do. Her. She's she's fantastic in Twilight. Is probably the worst stuff she's ever done. But everything outside yeah. of Twilight, the Runaway <laughs> movie. She, she actually she did good. Charlie's Angels. I loved her character. In that <clears throat> she's a badass. But, but she, she needed. needed to- yeah, I think we're both going to say exactly the same thing. She needed to make the Twilight movies to, to establish her career, you know? Yeah. She you need, need to have the mega she hits. She made another horror movie where these things were coming out of the walls and her little brother. I know you've seen this. What was that movie? It was really quite good. Um, they well, were she in was... the farmhouse, and she was trying to save her little brother. It was just a real demented horror story. Mm. Was, she did good in it, though. But she's very young. I think it's pre-Twilight, actually. Well, I think I think the first film I saw her was when she's playing the you bug me now the daughter of Jodie Foster in Panic Room. Mm. Oh, that's right! I Panic forgot that was her. I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot, forgot that was her. That was a great movie, by the way. I'm claustrophobic, and I approve that movie. It's David it. Fincher. You know, fin- Fincher's mm. fantastic. You know, yeah. Um, I but yeah, I kind kind of with Keith on this, where at points it felt like it was it was a little pretentious. It felt like it was trying to be. A late sixties Polanski movie, but mm-hmm. I, I just didn't feel the gravitas. As far as Kristen Stewart goes, the fact, <clears throat> excuse me, the fact that she's alone a lot of this movie and, and and still able to at least maintain some level of interest is uh is, is pretty good. Um, it kind of feels like it was pulling at times from from stuff like Sorry Wrong Number. It mm. kind of made modern, but my my entire issue with it is. While yes, that kind of stuff happens now, and I guess there is the kind of cyber stalking element to this movie, it doesn't necessarily make for engaging cinema. You know, it wasn't too well. It was engaging, but I mean, the thing is, I was just waiting for her brother. The whole point was for her brother to share her twin brother, who they shared a heart malformation. He died. She's got the same thing. She's trying to find evidence, but she's a medium. It's so contradictory. If she's a medium, she knows there's life after death because she communes with the dead. So she's trying to commune with her brother, who is also a medium, but who dies and doesn't seem like he's getting back to her. 
probably because it's like, fuck this planet. I don't want no parts of it. And as soon as people die, they leave and do not want to come well, back. So that's, that's part, probably what happened. That's part of the, that's know. part of the issue that I have with it too, is I'm like, you, but she's you, a medium. Saying, you keep saying that you want evidence that there's life after death, but you're literally seeing a ghost in front of you that's vomiting, right. but then it's you're like, well, it's not my brother. So I don't accept it as evidence. And I didn't understand why the ghost was vomiting other than she's a very violent, volatile personage that is really not happy with her present situation in the astral plane. So I don't know. But it I also find I, I also found that everyone in this film was so emotionally constipated. Devoid, defunct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, as like, well, I mean, first of all, you know, the supermodel, I mean, they're all kind of constipated in their own right anyway. I right. hate to, you know. I've yet to meet a supermodel that actually has a bit of substance. Um, they try to say they have substance, but you know, then they open their mouth and it kind of goes out the water, goes out the door. But then it's kind of like the lesbianism is like, okay, is this here just because it's art? I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I think if they they could have sliced a lot of this movie away, and you would have had a basically a good thirty minute Twilight Zone episode that would have been quite. <laughs> Yes. If you, it, it, the last half hour of this movie, I think actually gets really, really good. The problem uh, is getting to that last half hour is right. a fucking slog. But yeah, I have I mean, a completely words, different I mean, interpretations. Well, then go right ahead, man. Yeah, let's hear, let's hear <laughs> something. Let's hear something that's positive. Are you going to be positive? It's it's not positive, it's not negative. This is just a completely different interpretation. Okay. So I actually extremely love this movie, but you need to see from a different perspective. So th this is the way I saw it. So you have this woman who is living her life in a very monotonous way. She gets to work, she does the same thing, she whatever. This is like a very boring, monotonous life. Yeah. So if you Somebody focus on the movie on the fact that to go shopping. In all them great stores, yeah, but that... <laughs> I would say, hell yeah. It's not boring. Yeah, but then you don't get yeah, yeah, you know, you to... You're not, you're not shopping for yourself. You're shopping for others. Yes. I know. And, and, she's yeah, not yeah, yeah, and she's not supposed to put it on either. She wears the uh, she wears the dress that she ends that, up... That, uh, I would that's... try all that shit out. And she ends that's... up masturbating in, but that's, uh, you know, she's not uh, supposed to. I mean, that was probably taking it to a whole extreme masturbating <laughs> with her clothes on in her bed. So, yeah. There was so... a little anal thing going on there. Sorry, I'm okay now. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, I didn't. I didn't see any anal thing going on in there. <laughs> well, I okay. So she's doing like a very boring life. Some people might think it's boring. Some people might not. It's in general. She's just for her. This she's into it. It's very boring. It's just normal. She's a personal shopper. So you already have the title as like personal shopper. So you think it's something related to that. I think that the personal shopper thing, it's a completely bullshit side thing on the side, describing a normal life. But the focus of the story is completely separate from that. So she's like stuck in a limbo, right? Yep. So this is very psychological. This is the way I saw it. She's doing the same job and life every day. She does whatever they tell her to do, her boss tell her to do. She's stuck in a limbo because she's lost her brother and she's very connected to the brother and she's waiting for a sign. This is like waiting for something to happen. <laughs> but you don't have waiting. to wait in Paris for a sign. She doesn't have to ride. No, 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 but... No, no, but this this is her grieving. The, I don't know what to say in English. That she's suffering, she's in pain. She's right. waiting for the pain to go away, but she's stuck in this limbo where she's waiting for the brother for a sign because they, you know, they promised to each other. And then it's a kind of like, okay, I mean, something has to happen. This is like 
waiting for something, but nothing happens until you make the change in your life, you know? So even the whole texting of the guy and then you think it's a cyber stalker, et cetera, doesn't matter. The way she thinks it is, this might be the brother, you know? Because again, she's stuck in the limbo. So every perception she has of life, it's in that, in, in their perception of like, this is my brother, the sign. Even when this, the brother gives her a sign, it doesn't matter if it's real or not. She's like, no, that's not enough. You know, so you see that the glass is moving and you see the water coming out. She's like, no, no, that's that's not the sign. I want more and I want more. And then she's scared of doing the jump. She's scared of taking the, the dress and wear it and say, I'm worth it. She's scared of like making her choices and stuff because she's she's not ready she's waiting she's stuck in this like situation where she doesn't know even when she says i'm a medium and then she sees the things and that's clearly the sign and she's like no that's not enough so that's the way i saw it it's very like a psychological thing and then the big thing happens and the, the big trauma and the killing of the the boss happens and suddenly she's scared and she gets involved and it's like a push out of the situation you know and then the ending is also like very mysterious very unclear she goes to the to, to the boyfriend and to this other country and then suddenly she she's there's a whole finale with her like try to talk with what she thinks is the spirit she's like you know the spirits or whatever and at the end she say you know she's talking to the thing like oh you mean harm and there's a knocking and whatever all this question and suddenly she says or is it just me and then it stops and she just realized wait all my suffering and she's like my suffering and my my unable to to live life and do things it's all because of me so my mental health issue my problem my suffering comes all from me i saw this from a completely psychological point yeah it's a good that's a good analogy i i i thought as someone who was yeah sorry go on no no go ahead keith i saw it as a woman who basically is trying to get in touch with her she didn't know she was gay or not so every time she saw this female lesbian throwing up that was her being really horrible so at the end of it all she decides to go with gary (laughs) (laughs) well no there's there seems to be a lot of lesbianism then wearing and wearing the other person's dress and masturbating in this other person's dress means like she's kind oh, of someone touched. gave me a ten thousand dollar dress I and, then, and then there's a lot of then there's just a lot of this <laughs> Art house lesbianism going on in this film, so you're kind of going, oh, you know, sort of thing. And yeah, but then, and then, then my question and is, then why, seems, why and, everything, is... and everything seems to end when she decides she's going to go be with Gary, and then it's like, and then, <laughs> and then, 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 then it has to have this like, then it has it. Well, I mean, this thing is, I mean, you look at the cast of names, like you got Maureen and Ingo and Kira and Irvin and you got Laura Gary and Cassandra and Jerome and and Hugo, and then you got Gary. <laughs> What? <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I I agree with everything David said about it. I just didn't yeah. think that it works cinematically, especially the 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 middle portion of it. I think um, I, I, the I, I kind of saw. Yeah. If, if if it had like Brian De Palma directing it, where you have a lot of <clears throat> interesting camera angles and Possibly. panning and stuff like this, I think it could have been a good movie. But it, there's so many, but so much beautiful architecture. I mean, there there was a lot of stuff instead of just they just pan straight down the street. For anybody that's been to Paris, you've was, seen these buildings. There's a lot of interesting stuff they could have captured. Yeah, so, it's very you know. static. It's very static. It's kind of like it's well, like it's yeah, like watching a, where you are. No, I'm talking about the film, the way the film's filmed. Oh, okay. It's very a static yeah. film. And and I don't know if they did that for it kind of reminded me like back in the 80s and 90s. 
We used to get like these, and the only people who are making gay movies were these really pretentious art house gay movies. Right. And they all had this kind of look to them, and where you're kind of watching it, and nothing really happens. And there's like a lot of, you know, a lot of eyes and a lot of like monotone acting and monotone voicing. Any, Not a lot of emotion going on. Oh, I think, I mean, Coel's a bit like this. That was, you know, a little bit like this. So, I mean, I, there's, I mean, there's a channel called Canal Plus or Curzon channel on Amazon. They have a load of this talk. Oh, I've, got, I've got to check it out because I'm trying to remember. I, I know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to think of examples. But, I mean, the movie is 106 minutes. And I, to be honest, it felt like a miniseries for me. It <laughs> I, was I, too I, long. I, it really was too long. Uh, <laughs> All right. It, it felt... It felt it felt longer. I mean, it felt longer than fucking Gone with the Wind. <laughs> oh gosh, I really like it. You know, Vicky. Uh, Vicky was asking, does Sean ever like anything? He he did not he like this, this one at right? all. No, he hated. He was like, uh, he he was like, was that was that train trip in real time? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I mean, felt I bad because he was looking forward to because we watched the trailer because we had never heard about it until this. Uh, <laughs> Until we were, we were going to do it for this podcast, I saw the trailer and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to buy the Criterion uh, uh, disc of this." And I, you know, thankfully it was you know uh, half price because it was a it was a sale because I I would have been pissed at myself if I spent thirty nine ninety nine on it. Um, but yeah, we luckily for us is on Disney Plus here. Saw it on oh, Disney. Disney That's where I found it. Yes, 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 yes. It was in Disney yeah. Plus. You guys yeah, get Disney God. Plus. We don't get half of that shit. Well, that, yeah, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus over there makes use of the, the the Fox library that they bought and the you know all the all the other. We don't yeah. get that over here, do we? Um, what Disney does here is a lot of the stuff that's not kid oriented. They dump on Hulu. That's true. You're right. <laughs> any any movie made by Fox right. is. Anything made by Fox before, like, I think, like, up to, like, 2015 or something. You're right. That all belongs to Disney now. I didn't know that. But um, I, now, now I agree. And, so, yeah. And the other thing is, films, are, films are rated R in America are only rated, like, 12 and 15 here. Right. Yeah, well. I noticed that when I was in Italy. Uh, movies that were rated R were uh, were 14 in, in Italy. So That's I was like, because oh, okay. people aren't so freaking uptight in Italy like we are. <laughs> <We're here about laughs> it. It, has to do, it has to do with sex. America's uptight oh, yeah. about sex. We're, we're uptight we're about on. Yeah. But we're but we're the other way around. We're really uptight about violence. There's a whole so, channel yeah. just devoted on, on Fossum for Steven Seagal. It's just straight mm. up Steven fucking Seagal movies. It's like, God dang. But I mean, how much Steven Seagal can one girl watch in a day? You know. Eh, I mean, you can space them out. You know, you don't got to watch them all at once. He's actually a sheriff. I thought people were kidding, but he's actually a sheriff in Arizona now. I think. Steven yeah, Seagal. Uh, probably yeah, I think he's one of those honorers. Well. No, he's a sheriff. I mean, sheriff, like a sheriff. Oh. I mean, the film had a one million pound, one million dollar budget, so maybe it was budgetly prepared. I mean, the thing is, I liked what it was trying to say. Right. I, I mean, I, I thought Chris, I thought Kristen Stewart was brilliant. I'll give her yes. kudos. I thought she did a good um, job. The fact that she's alone a lot of the time and acting yes. with nobody, no dialogue. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's that's very very that. very difficult. Um, I felt like it was. I, I felt like it was. Um, it was making a statement about lon- about loneliness too. But but yes, it yeah. was definitely about lonely. It's definitely yes. about grieving. It was about dying. 
But what I didn't understand was the end. Is that her brother or is it somebody Well, yeah, else? because she, no. Or is that her opinion? Is, I think it well, doesn't matter. Well, the thing is, um, it's one thumb for yes and two for no, isn't it? Right. She goes, Lewis, is that you? Oh, and then she asks, is it just me? Yes, it's just you. So obviously everything's in her head. So that's, that my, that's my point. All of this through the whole movie? This is, I think yeah. this is the key of the inter interpretation of the movie. That's her suffering, her pain, her grievance, and, and, and everything because of the death of the brother. And then right. whatever you see, it's well, like a reflection of a psychology, you know? Twins are pretty bonded, especially if they're... You know, well, another thing is whenever she sees anything, she's on her own anyway. So maybe all yeah, right. of this is in her head. Yeah. But how does um, that relate? How did this ghostly stuff relate? Okay, so you got this guy stalking her. Who was the ex-lover of the model? Of Kira, yeah. Yeah, that. but I mean, he's, he's stalking her on the phone, correct? That is him. They do arrest him. I that. think he was trying to set her up for the murder. Because I was trying to figure yeah. out how this played into everything. So I, I, I think he was trying to set her up for the murder. And I yeah, think what he was going to do was he was going to kill her in the hotel room. And the stuff that she had dropped off at the house was now in the hotel room. I think he was going to kill her. And set it up as a murder suicide, maybe? Maybe. Okay. Because I was I also to think it was just random that he started texting her, I like you in this way, when she's in the hotel room and weird, weird voyeuristic shit. One thing yeah, that I, I that I thought was really that, weird is yeah. she had her employer in her phone as unknown. Because she because she was getting the, the unknown text from this guy, but then whenever right. Kira was calling her, it was also coming up unknown. True, Why true. would you do that? Why would you not have well, your 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 boss's number stored in your phone so you know it's true. your boss calling you? That's one thing I that also, stood out. To I also think maybe it was a thing about personal shoppers that basically, if you're a personal shopper, you really mm -hmm. have no connection. Exactly, you're yes. buying for others to other people's yes. specifications, but you're but you don't have any specifications of yourself. So whoever you are doesn't freaking matter. It doesn't matter what you think is good, yes. what you like, or yeah, but that, that, that's on her though. She doesn't matter by choice. It's self-afflicted kind of thing. Of course, of course, yeah, it's self-afflicted, but, but that's but her life. But she, she's leaving. She's, she's stuck in a limbo. Yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, she's like that with all her friends. I mean, she doesn't have any close relationships, and the one relationship. The only the only person who she who's Gary. trying to have a relationship with <laughs> Gary. <is> Gary Gary, <laughs> um, and he and he's pushing her and she's pushing him away until the very end. She's Poor Gary, I mean, but he's just like like onions and liver. She does she is he like the, the second thing? I mean, if she doesn't want to stay here. She'll just go with Gary. Is that the whole point? She does end up in Oman finally. You know, well, I think she. I mean, I think. I think basically, I think that she's just disconnected from everything around her. Yeah. Because I mean, she's okay. I mean, like, she, she, she she finds that she finds a body. She gets on yeah. her motorcycle and goes to the police station. Why not just call the police? Why did she just take off when I find a dead body? My first inclination is to call the authorities when I find a dead. Precisely. Body. Don't, yeah, don't I leave the crime scene. Well, I'd be running. I'd be running out and well. Uh, well, she also thinks she sees something at the end of the hallway. So whoever killed That's her right. might, might still be there. That's true. We don't know because we don't know if she, if it's her seeing ghosts. We don't know if it's actually ghosts. We don't know. But she's been she's been paranoid and mental health depression gets in the way. So maybe she's seeing things. You know, well, she yeah. just found a murdered employer. You I could, would be paranoid. Yeah, I'd be calling the police on the way out the door. Yeah, exactly. like yo, look the police. 
What, yeah, what were you doing in the house? Those bags right there. I just can't. I buy stuff for her and I come in and drop them off. That's why I have a key. I dropped them off. I saw the I saw the vodka bottle. And at one point, I thought maybe the vomiting ghost was Hira. You know, maybe she drank too much. Well, I, it had okay, to no, be something that because that was that. But that, that's the problem. That vomiting ghost was key to something, and I just can't figure it out what it was. I don't. I, I don't think it actually that. figures. I, in. I think. I think to be honest, I think. Um... Maybe the ghost is a symbolic of her being being so sick of her life. Maybe, yeah. Because she's I mean, not if, happy, if he, is she? She's not happy. With, she well, want be, she wants to be I somebody mean, else, as per the texting but, thing. But can I be honest? Have we ever seen Christian Stewart ever happy? No. <laughs> she no. ever smiled. She wasn't even happy in Snow White, for God's or, sake. Or in Crimes of the Future. That, yeah, but was I thought, like, yeah. that was a weird role for her. I did. I just did. That was just one fucked up movie, boy. Her and Vin, uh, Viggo Morgenstern. What a weird combination for yeah. one. That is a weird movie. Enjoyed it thoroughly, but I was saying, what the fuck? At least five or six times every twenty minutes. Uh -huh. I mean, I guess the important thing is, is though, when the glass is floating, no one sees it. When right. she thinks she sees a ghost, when she sees something, she's always on her own. Yes. When she right. goes, it when she goes somewhere and she sees the ghost behind someone, the other person's not seeing anything. So, do you think so, she's crazy, possibly schizophrenic, not a or medium? maybe, or maybe a simple fact is that, um, I mean, I guess we need to remember that. I mean, I'm kind of going out on a limb here, but I guess we have to remember that she's a twin, and we right. all know that twins have in theory, uh -huh. have a very, very special connection and bond. Mm -hmm. So, and then, you know, the simple fact that, you know, you do hear things about if a twin gets hit, the other twin can feel Feels it and pain. vice versa. And so, I mean, he commits the girlfriend suicide. was kind of useless too. I mean, she didn't, she was, she didn't wait for the body to get cold. So I'm not good at morning. Fuck this. I got me a man. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's been a few I months mean, I, guess, I guess it's, yeah, but I guess with her, the months, no, that's kind of quick for somebody else. I mean, yeah, I, I agree, but... but if a twin, but if a twin commits suicide, it's apparently it's like a limb of yours has been cut off. That's what I've been told. It's like so the ghost maybe, when you like, yeah, you can see yeah. It. So maybe, so maybe that's what this is all about. So therefore, the only connection you have to life is living life through your brother and sometimes there are twins who have some very weird relationships where they basically do everything together there's these two old twi twins here male twins and they're married to these two old female twins they dress alike they look alike they go everywhere really? together and you see them in the supermarket and they, sometimes they hurt Sometimes, well, it's not fascinating it's kind of sick I mean it nothing's worse than well, two I, you know, delusional well, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, these these two are, are are odd because, I mean, the two guys themselves. First of all, they have Jew froze, which never looks good on an eighty year old man and all those all this like froze <laughs> going on. And 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 then oh, like, and so they're hang so and so when they go shopping together, the two guys are together, and their wives, who are twins as well, are here. So they're basically like this, walking together, parallel Aww, to each other. But they're, but they're not, they're. they're well, no, they live together. They've never lived anywhere apart. So the two sisters live with their two husbands, who are all both twins, and they've never lived separately. They've never These done anything These people didn't breathe, did they? So if you, mean, so if you and your twin brother marry a woman and her twin sister, do you ever get confused and fuck the wrong person? 
Well, why were you judging one? Mr. Variety, Joe. I don't understand. Well, let me just sit this. They don't hurt to anyone. It's worse when it's Siamese twins. Oh, remember when the one, Siamese twins? When, what, when one's married and the other one isn't. Yeah, one's married and the other one isn't. They had 48 oh God, that children was, uh, between them. Can you imagine was, having to be there when all them children were conceived and they were conjoined twins? My my hat goes off to the ladies. Just, just, lady. saying, just saying, I think season four of American Horror Story. Do you remember the, the that one? With a, with oh, a, the, the, I've, never seen any of them. I've never seen any of them. Oh my gosh, please do watch them. Oh my God, please do watch them. Because I and that was awesome. with Doogie Hauser. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I, was, oh, I don't have sex with Doogie Howser. No, I, was, I was reading a, I was reading a story about these Siamese twins from the fifties, these two sisters, and they hated each other. They loathed and that. fucking hated each other. Can you imagine being joined to someone you hate, and then and then one of them died, and she had to carry around her dead sister for like three weeks we before she died. Before. Oh shame! Can you imagine? Carrying around well, I could, like that dead load. Well, I mean, well, I could I, mean, I could I couldn't be I couldn't imagine. Can you imagine just being connected to a sibling of yours for the rest of your life? I no. would have killed any of my <laughs> or I mean you're fighting each other like this. <laughs> I mean, what the hell do you like like my suppose God, you no. have completely different personalities? I want to stay home and read, and you want to, you know watch loud Party. fucking action movies and now yeah. all of a sudden i'm sitting there trying to read and you're watching this fucking loud ass thing and i'm like dude i'm trying to read and you're fighting back get and this. forth if you have complete opposite personalities get i want to stay this. home there's tonight this. i want to go to the club yeah but get this. There's, a, there's, a, there's siamese twins there are siamese twins and one's a nurse in a hospital in America, and the other one's a country western singer, and they're joined by the forehead. And the little one, the, the one's a little bit's got a smaller body, so she's being wheeled around in the car, and that's the nurse. Yeah. And the other one does country music on stage somewhere. Yep, I've seen them. And the and the worst thing about it, and I know this, I. <laughs> You're gonna be cruel. Everybody be ready. He's gonna be cruel. You can send your hate mail to me. I don't care. (laughs) But can you imagine? I mean, the nurse, one of them, is an intensive an intensive care nurse. So she sees people when they're coming out of their coma. Can you imagine? You're coming out of a coma. What the? Wait, this is so mean. For the love of God, like there are genuinely people who. I know, but the thing is, and the worst. I mean, I, I mean. I mean, I won't, I won't post it in our show notes, but I will send you a copy of the music video the country and western singer did. Oh God! I think we, I think we've covered it before. I think we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. We've talked yeah, about it have. before, and I've seen them. They've had, they've been on sixty minutes. They've had all kinds of shows yeah. about them. I mean, I, I mean, my hats go, my hats go off to them because I mean they're leading normal lives, but I just think to myself like, it must be fucking difficult. It's got to oh, yeah. be easy. Yeah, that's I can't, that's I can't, I can't stand to sit next to my sister for more than an hour. <laughs> I love sister. her. But like, any of them. Any of them. <laughs> I mean, I love my family, but I don't want. I mean, can you imagine you have to go everywhere with them? Well, Kim doesn't have to let you stay with her when you get to Texas. <laughs> no, I'm more than happy to stay with Kim because we'll have we can have separate. We can get away from each other in separate rooms. Can you imagine never getting away. But going back to the twin things that are not conjoined twins, right. um, but um, there are twins. I know, I know a couple of twins that are very, very, very close. 
and the simple fact that they can fit they finish each other's sentences and stuff like yeah. this and they're fraternal twins male and female you know identical would you know be, they have to be the same sex but they they still have that weird they, not weird i mean it's not weird the strange closeness from being always together and your whole life being surrounded with each again, other and all, all your friends never known. we probably couldn't fathom their lifestyle because we would never we've never had to so it might not be a hardship for them like we would consider it a hardship yeah so i'm thinking in this movie with i mean did he commit suicide or did he die he committed suicide didn't he uh, the, um, the brother, no, he died of a heart attack. Yeah, a genetic heart condition. There he is. Sorry, he yes. died genetic heart disease. So yeah. basically, so you have the genetic heart disease, and so I mean, I guess that adds another level to it because if he died from a genetic heart condition, what's stopping yeah, her from dying from a genetic? Yeah, heart so condition she, don't you remember? Things. She goes and gets a sonogram, and he goes, "Well, your your heart's the same, but you've got a different lifestyle." But she's not supposed to be stressed or this and that. But she's constantly stressed in this movie. The girl is always stressed. She's stressing herself out, though. Yeah. yeah. And maybe she does that awesome. on purpose because basically, maybe she's hoping for death herself. So that way she That's what I was beginning it. to wonder because she puts herself in such a, a fucked up situations that are going to cause stress. Like like going in there. If I known, If I found a dead body, I'm not sticking around. To watch anything else or making noise, I just I'm out of there, you know. I go, I, mean, I go in their wardrobe and take a bunch of clothes and see if I can reset. I would have done that. Yeah, I definitely would have taken those jewel, those jewels. Oh, those were nice. So bad. I think where did they shouldn't that stuff show up in her house, her apartment? It shows up at the hotel room that the texts were telling her to go to. Okay, so that's where it showed up. That's why and I thought this guy was this guy wanted to kill Kira and he wanted to set up her up. He wanted to set Maureen up. But they didn't really the go into that to where you could understand that maybe transpiring. Because well, I mean, kind I don't, of vague. I, didn't you think it was vague? Because I don't think it because I, I think like 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 uh I don't think it was that important to the yeah, I, I think it's that's that's very much a side quest. Everything right involving Kira feels like it's just kind of a side quest. And I, the I sis, the, and the girlfriend. What was her purpose in life, really? Except to say, oh, well, you know, your brother would have wanted you to sell the house. He would have wanted that, me to be happy. All, all, all. I, I like, think okay. that's exactly, that is a, like a key of interpretation. We, of movie. course, did not have anything going on while he was alive, even though we're hot and heavy now, just a few months later. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think the end of it says it all. Is it just me? Mm -hmm. And then no, this, this is like it kind of reopens the veil of like no understanding. If you didn't get it to the net to the point, the movie's telling you now. this is this is how it is, you know. At least that's the way I saw it. So. Maybe she can and, live her life with that ever popular Gary <laughs> that keeps like so much. <laughs> Gary, I was, I was just kind of like Gary. Gary over there. Is that, is that, a, is that another? Yeah, it's not the name. It's not the name Gary. I think it's the thing is that. Because we're kind of getting all these like, Shanique, really rich sounding names. Cool names, and then and then Gary. the one, the, and then the one American who's Gary. centered is Gary. Gary. It's like, well, I, I just kind of, <laughs> I just thought, I have to admit, it's funny. <laughs> just in the movie, I mean, if, I mean, if there's like a Steve and a Monica and all these other names going on, it would make sense because you have all these like 
kind of odd, odd names going on. Not odd names, or, more, but more or like exotic names. Kind of names. Exotic, yeah. different. Yeah. I, I wonder and if, that was, if that was kind of a statement, too, is that she just ends up with the basic, the most basic guy, Gary. <laughs> you know, Gary the dare do well in Oman. <laughs> all places. He said, "What's he doing, Oman?" What but he... there is one thing Keith mentioned. Keith said something about suicide, and it kind of reminded me again of the orphanage, the ending of the orphanage, where uh, the Take husband the, the husband sees oh. his wife. It does say earlier in the movie that you only see these people when you're about to die. Did he return to the house? Oh, to that's suicide? right. That's it, right. Was he was he was he so overcome with grief that he returned to the house? To end his own life, and maybe that's why he's now seeing them. Yeah, See, I, well, the oh, I, 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 I neglected. I neglected to to, to ask that. During that's the a good point. That. That's a good point. I didn't think of that until just now. That's a really good point. I mean, um, I mean, I think this. It. I mean, this film kind of reminds me of modern art, where I go to the Tate Museum here, and I think, eh. But if, because that's, yeah. well, it's kind of like, it's almost like, I felt like I, I feel like I could have filmed this movie and had the same results, really, maybe. Possibly. Yes. And, and, then, and I think that maybe, and maybe that's the reason why I don't have an, a, a, an appreciation for it, but where if it had a more, a more dynamic director who was able to make camera motions and feelings, but it's just like, we're gonna leave the camera here, and then we're just—you just do what you need well, to you do. You guys are into it. the cinematic <laughs> view of things, Joe. Did you think that this, the the camera could have been done a little bit differently? I'm with Keith on this. I felt like that there were times where you know the way it was shot was kind of boring, um, and I mm. and I think that I I I don't know I I get that my main issue with this movie is the middle of it. Like I think it has a strong opening, and I think it has a very strong uh, final act. But mm. in between, sucks in, in, like bit. it's just I understand that, well, like in this day, in, in this day and age, like there's got to be a better way to get this across without us staring at Kristen Stewart's phone for twenty minutes. And at one point, yeah. we're watching the movie she watches, and it just felt like there was a lot of times where this movie was just like wasting time. And I get you, you, want to, you want to establish how lonely she is, but I feel like you could do that better. And I think, and you could do it like just with sound, like that's the clock ticking. Tick, 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 yeah. Tick. And yeah. you could have done that for like 20 seconds and have, and get your feeling of time span. You know, but that's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, 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 I said it tried to, it tried to, it felt at times like it was trying to emulate Polanski. And uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but there were points of it where I was like, I think the Tenant by Roman Polanski had some moments where, like, you had a character by themselves, and cinematically, it was it was just done so much better than than the the train scenes here. Was that Cat? Like, was that the one? Is the Tenant one with Catherine Deneuve? No, that's repulsion. No, that's repulsion. repulsion. Is the same thing. Um, repulsion is the same is, uh, thing as well. Yeah, like like I I feel like this was trying to emulate Polanski, but didn't really get what made Polanski's stuff work. Um, maybe if they did like in a grainy black and white, maybe it could have pulled it off. Done anything recently? Polanski's well, still working. It's just we don't get the stuff out here anymore. 
Yeah, and but and 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 he's still flirting. He's still living next door to the girls' high school. So yeah, uh, that was what. Is he still dating twelve-year-olds? <laughs> they got driver's uh, licenses at least this time. He's hanging out with Stacy. <laughs> <laughs> Out with him. He's saying, he's saying, him, him and Woody Allen are going out to dinner together. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean the thing is, I mean even the cal, even the color palette was just kind of gray and murky. Everything was just gray. Well, wasn't it supposed was... to be dismal and depressing? Yeah. And well, I, I, I think, but I think, but you can, but you can offset that with like, for instance, her being gray and depressing is fine. But when she's doing the shopping and when you're going into like these extravagant homes they could have been bright and colorful to add like and then go back to her life which is now gray again you know when she's on her own be gray but then when you go to somewhere else you can do like a flash you know like between dorothy and kansas and oz sort of thing you could do like this flash of color it's like this light these people's lives are vibrant but what you got is this monotone going all the way through the whole film but was so anybody like, did you get vested in any of these characters did you feel bad for anybody in this movie I mean, did you feel no. anything for Kristen Stewart? I would. She I would have been happy. If, I would have been job, happy. If they all went to Joe. I would have been happy. They all so went to Jonestown and drank purple Kool Aid. No shit. They were all devoid <laughs> of warmth and human emotion and everything. I don't even. I think they would have got excited about the Kool Aid to tell you the truth. Maybe. They, I mean, that would have been momentous, probably in their. But family, but that so. but see that that's that's the problem as well because Kristen Stewart's character, I understand, you can have that flatness. But everyone had that flatness, so it's kind of like, and I guess if if you know if you had some liveliness with her with their with the other characters, yeah, some like personality with the other characters, then it'd be like okay, and it, it, I just think it'd make it a bit more clear. Okay, she's depressed or she's lonely or whatever, and so there or she's out of touch with society around her or whatever whatever she's supposed to be experiencing but because everyone's on the same acting plat plateau you're kind of thinking well she's depressed everyone's depressed why the i mean the the woman's dead everyone's depressed that the woman's dead the woman's having a, an affair she's depressed the husband's depressed because his wife's having an affair. the wife's having they're all she's depressed like the whole smiled, movie about though, depression the only movie I've ever seen her smile in was Charlie's Angels. It's probably because she is a lesbian and she's badass and beautiful. <laughs> because she doesn't really enjoy any of her other roles. But she was so kick-ass in Charlie's Angels. I loved her in it. What's, because she uh, finally had color. She had blonde I mean, hair and blue eyes. And she actually had facial emotion. You don't well, she, see that with this girl a lot. She must have enjoyed something about this because this wasn't a, you know, she's able to get roles in big movies. So for her to do this, she's kind a great of actress. Means that something in this, something in this stood out to her for her to want to do it because it could right. not have paid very well. No, she does. She it, doesn't need. She probably doesn't need the work. She yeah. So she's doing but maybe this maybe she movie. Yeah, maybe she's just connected to like something that happened. That's what I'm saying. Life. Is she like this in you know, real maybe life? She, maybe oh, she's experienced what? something like that in her life, like experiencing like a death of somebody, well, I mean, she's all alone and sad or whatever. And then she's like, "Oh my god, I'm connecting to the movie. I, I connected to this movie. I love this movie. I don't understand. I cannot like. I, I see you guys' point, but I'm like, but yeah, but there's try to see this way. You know, I'm trying to push the other side of the story. And and, and and I don't know, I connected immensely with this movie. I don't know why, but I loved it. I'm not um, disagreeing with any of your points. And I think the movie is, ex yeah. I think you're, I think my view of what the movie is and your movie, what the, uh, hmm. uh, your view of what the, the movie point. is, I think are actually, 
you know, completely in sync. I think that the, um, I just think that the way you mean the performance, I, I, you, you mean the well, performance I, I, I and the technical the, skills, maybe, maybe not the te no, technically, I think it's a good movie. I just feel like some of the choices mm. made as far as how to get it across were baffling. And like I said, I think this mm. is a movie with a really strong opening and a really strong ending, but a very, the was a bit very, it was all convoluted. The whole middle of the movie is convoluted. That's the only word I got for it. It's not I don't bad. I don't it's necessarily mind. I don't necessarily mind convoluted. You know, I'm, I'm, I did, but it's contradictory. She's a medium trying to prove that there's life after death. Right there is. A but is she a medium? That's the question. But she says I don't her think. Her brother, well, people want. I don't, I don't think she was. To see if they're haunted. So she's I don't think she is on. a medium. I don't think she's a medium. I think it she's she believes it because the brother says to her like these and that that she can't believe it and she takes her head as a kind of the, the lost thing of the brother. She has to believe into something. She's like, no, I'm a medium. My brother told me so. You know, sort of thing. I don't know. This it is the way of, I see. Uh, it reminds me of a Bergman film in a way. And what's her? Yeah. Um, uh, Bergman, where it's funny you're watching it and not much is really happening, but you kind of have to like, mm. or Woody Allen's interiors, it's a bit like that as well. I haven't seen it. You're kind of watching it. I haven't watched it. Um, is it okay? You're kind of watching it. I haven't seen that one. Did Woody like Allen it? interiors, it get every I've seen it twice, and every time I see it, it gives me a headache. Okay. Shame. It's just intense. It's just a bunch of miserable people in a room together not getting along for whatever reasons. I mean, it's... Sounds like American... Well politics. acted. It's well... Well, it's well acted. It's well done. It's just not... It's just... It's just but it's just not a comfortable experience to watch. It's not enjoyable to watch. Right. And that for me, personal shopper, hard to watch, personal shopper, I, I admire Christian Stewart's acting. I thought it was fantastic. I, like her acting I admired what it was trying to say. I just didn't enjoy it. No, mm. I liked watching her Twilight. Again. Everybody bashes Twilight. It was it was okay. So we had sparkly vampires. I mean, everybody needs <laughs> sparkly vampires what, once in their life. What I mean from this, bad. it really was kind of a good story. I'm joking. Problem, I'm joking. To be honest, my problem, my problem was Bella Swan, the character herself, not Christian Stewart. She's she's just fucking horrible. I read the book. She's fucking horrible. <laughs> the characters are the fucking really? the care. No, the character, the character, not not Christian Stewart. The character is fucking horrible. Did the person horrible. that wrote um, Fifty Shades of Grey write Twilight? No. Right? She wrote Twilight. No, no. Um, the person who somebody had something no, to do 50, with it. No, Fifty Shades of Grey was, by man. was yeah, and, um, and mm -hmm. this person read Fifty That's Shades of Grey now. and did fan fiction based on vampires on Fifty Shades of Grey, which is okay, this. maybe that's it's, what but, it is. But but Twilight is about saving your do not have sex until marriage. That's what the whole Twilight saga is about. Because you will turn into a vampire that, or a werewolf if you fornicate. No, no, no. You you if you have sex before marriage, then you're 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 led to internal hell, basically. That's it's written by a Mormon. It's fan fiction about it was written of off of Twilight fan fiction. You're right. You're yeah. right. Because Christian and Anastasia, once Bella and Edward. Yeah, but it, 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 the whole thing about saving yourself to marriage is about Christian purity. That's what Twilight's about. That's why she because wrote it. Because one had secret sex dungeons instead yeah. of sucking blood. So, okay. Yeah. Works for me. So, um, but, I mean, but, the, but the, prob the problem with Twilight for me 
the I read the first book. I didn't bother with the other ones. Is that Bella is a horrible character? She 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 moves to this town and she thinks she's so much fucking better than everyone else. She's not a good friend. She's horrible to everyone around her. She treats everyone nasty. Is that what you got from reading the books? Yeah. Really? Think about it, and the thing, and the worst thing about it, nothing's worse than writing a book in the first person, right? Because when you write a book in the first person, you're stuck with that person inside their head the whole time. You're right. So she's you're like, right. so the whole book, Twilight, is like, I am so wonderful. I am like, I hate everyone that I see. I wish everyone was as smart as me. I wish everyone was metropolitan. I come from a True. big city. I am now in this horrible hick town. Look at these people around me. Who the hell do they think they are? Oh, why doesn't this guy like me? Why does no one like me? I don't understand why no one likes me. Oh, I maybe she was just a teenager. But what I'm saying is when you're reading mm-hmm. a book and this is what you're uh, hearing all the way okay. through over and over and over when and That's when true. and the and the character Bella does not change in any of the movies. She's the same character through every single she book. Is. She's pretty <laughs> uniform. Yeah. And, oh, wow. and even and even 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 in the movies, Bella starts off as a bitch. It ends being a bitch. There's no change in her whatsoever. <laughs> Oh, but she's not having sex before marriage. So that changes everything, right? Well, <laughs> being sarcastic. They waited, right? To have sex, right? Yeah. They did wait. Yeah, they, they didn't bite until... No, wait, when they, they were when having they... sex before they got married. No, they didn't have sex, no. He bites her during their wedding day. Okay, that's right, that's right. Okay. So, and then, and then they I have... I remember that movie she was And then in. they have the baby oh, and everything like that. And basically, and basically, the the townspeople are horrible and ungodly because they have no morals. Because that's the reason why you have all the teenage girls going, "Oh, he's so cute. I want to sleep with him." And da da da. And you have all this other stuff going on with the townspeople. Oh, it was the because, messengers. Because she's that's above the scary them. Scary thing. It was this movie yeah. about the messengers. It was called the messengers. Oh, I remember that one. That was, I love the that scarecrow movie. thing, right? Yeah, the scarecrows in there. They come out yeah. of the walls. 2007 it was driving me crazy i couldn't remember the name mm. of it but and uh what's his name um uh what's his name from uh walking Sam dead directed it no he produced it yeah Not i'm remembering it. it now uh but what the fuck's his name from um uh from... mcdermott penelope and miller pang brothers you think it of the pang brothers well i remember the pang brothers mm. oh maybe he was in the sequel of, of the guy from uh the walking dead Norman Reedus. Yeah, Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus is in the second one. Uh, okay, yeah. I remember both of those. Well, yeah, I didn't... Well, I it guess was, it was a before... good movie. That's what I'm saying. It was one of her newer... Well, yeah, it was before Twilight, but I actually... She did a great job. You could tell she was good. People people just dump all over her constantly. And you could I tell she, d- had, she actually is a good actress. You could tell in the early... She just got victimized yeah. and pigeonholed into one thing, so... I, I, no, I think, I think what happened with her, basically, is, is that she was in Twilight. Uh, Twilight. She was in Twilight. Um, she dating Robert Pattinson. So all these right. teen, all these teen girls turned against her on. because because those two are having sex and they all want to have sex with Robert Pattinson, which I don't understand because he always looks like he needs a, he always looks like he needs a good shower. A bar. Oh, so I think every like time I see him, I think of that movie with the, the lighthouse, and I'm thinking gay sex in black and white. <laughs> every time, I, every oh my god. Every time I, <laughs> Every time I see him, I think I bet he smells musty. <laughs> but um, oh, but um, so so I mean, so all the teen girls turned against her. But the thing is, that has nothing to do with her acting. Her acting's fantastic. I, I'm yet to see her do a bad performance. She's a good actress. She really is. And she it, gets and shit even on the, a lot. And though. even in, 
But even in Twilight, she's a good actress in Twilight. It's just that it's a horrible right. character. It's not she's her just fault. playing the role they wrote for. Her. Yeah. And, and that is you know, the, the way thing, she is the book. So she, you're well, right. And another, and another reason why media had a problem with Christian Stewart is because when Twilight became a huge thing, she was shoved into the li the limelight and she wasn't having any of it. She's like, leave me the fuck alone. I'm doing my job. And that and that's why I think that's why media kind of gave her a bad thing because it's like she's she wasn't playing the meat, she wasn't playing the you know the paparazzi game either. No, you know, no, she wasn't. She wasn't doing the interview. Wasn't doing the whole interview. She cheated on Paddington with, with her director for Snow White, I think it was, and that started well, a I, storm of God. I would had. I would if I would if I was having sex with Robert Pattinson, I would have an affair as well. So I can't blame her there. So, <laughs> but um, anyway, I guess what we do that's great personal shopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he lasted for, he didn't last the whole movie. He uh, lasted a whole movie, yes he did. Yes. So let's rate personal shopper. Starting with you, Vicky, how many stars do you rate personal shopper? I just gonna give it like I'm gonna give it three and a half, four stars, only because the it the like Joe said, great beginning, great ending, but God, the inside was kind of mixed up. I mean, I just didn't, I was invested in any. I didn't care if the people lived or died. I really do go by that. I do a lot, and I thought everybody in this movie should die. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's being fair. <laughs> what about no, yourself, Joe? How... Fuzzy, okay. Yeah. What about yourself, Joe? How do you rate it? Um, three because, like, you know, like I said, I like the I like the beginning. I like the ending. I appreciate a slow burn, but it's got to be visually interesting uh, for me. Gotta to like something. You got to for me. You got to give me something. Like film is a visual medium, about. and I don't want to. I don't want to be sitting there looking at Kristen Stewart's phone for twenty minutes. Yeah, I got tired of that too. The constant texting. I'm it's like, okay, I get I'm it. watching. I'm watching her texts. Then I'm watching the movie she's watching, and I'm like, wait, can I watch the movie I'm supposed to be watching, not the yeah. movie that she's watching on her fucking it's phone? It's distracting. It's distracting. It was really distracting. There are better ways to do everything this movie wanted to do in that middle portion. But I cannot deny that ending. That ending is really, really solid. And that's why I'm going, right. okay, three. I, I like the beginning. I like the end. The middle, like Keith said, chuck it out. You got a, you got a great, you know, Twilight Zone episode, you know? I'm gonna before I go to David because I think David we can end it on a high note with David. Uh, I'm gonna give it a. That's a fair point. Here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a three only because it kind of reminds me of those. For me, it was just a little pretentious, and I think that they could have done it with a little bit more pizzazz and a little bit more spark. And I wanted to get into it and it could have lulled me into it, but I found my whole self like going, how much, it reminded me of Dance of the Wolves when I was in the cinema watching Dance of the Wolves. And my 
my partner was a really big Kevin Costner fan. And he was so annoyed because I sat there the whole thing going, how much longer? How much longer? And I was doing this <laughs> in the film. And, and, and I, all three hours. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, and yeah, and I was, and, and to be honest, and that felt, that I, I felt like I wasted a week on that movie. This, I felt like I wasted a whole day. And it, and it was only 108 minutes. And I felt like every heart-wrenching 108 minutes, but not in a good way. Yeah. So I'm going to give it a three. Though, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, you know, to be fair, if I'm gonna judge Christian Stewart, I'll give her a solid five. But yeah. the movie I'm with you on that. I, I am totally, totally with, with you on that because she is yeah. doing fantastic for someone who is ostensibly on her own for like there's no dialogue. Seventy seventy percent of the movie is just her acting. Yeah, like Vicky said, no dialogue, and she's basically by herself. This is a great performance piece for Kristen Stewart. It is. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, and it it is it, it, it does remind me of those films that you, when you go to a film festival like the Cannes or the Toronto mm -hmm. or any of those, you kind of get one of these kind of pretentious kind of films that pop that pops up, and it kind of reminds me of that. I'm glad I saw it because I read a lot of press about it, but I probably will never ever look at it again. <laughs> and on that note, David, what are your thoughts on Personal Shopper? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, unfortunately, I have a completely different view on this. So you gave me a good perspective on the fact that obviously there were certain things they could have done differently, etc. I mean, I didn't think of that. I'm not, unfortunately, I don't have that, let's just say, technical mindset and how movies work, etc. So I barely looked at it from like a sort of psychological point of view, which is something I love doing in movies. I don't look much about the actor. I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. I do when I love an actor or an actress, but I always look inside a character, like I get inside a story and that's, I'm like, oh my God, how would I feel? And I fully connected to the character, maybe because I've had bad past, bad experiences and I felt that way. So I was like, oh my gosh, I know that what that means. I know what she's feeling. Oh my God, that scene, you know, everything. I, I saw this movie, pregnant with deep symbolism i don't know if that explains for example the ghosts i saw them doesn't matter if this is i don't see this is a ghost story i see this like a psychological movie the ghost was a symbol of like a shape-shifting figure like air in, in in symbolism means thought so it's like her thoughts completely changing constantly every day so she's not stable mentally right she's suffering she's the brother died and then she's feeling unworthy and she's sad and depressed and then you know all the symbols of water trying to connect to the brother water is a symbol of emotion so she's in in esotericism and everything so she's like oh my gosh you know the emotion and the brother and whatever so you got the, the water in the glass and the water from this thing's coming out and you know she's unsure she says she's depressed paranoid i'm not you know she's not feeling worthy she's it's it's a whole mix of emotion it's all a storm it's all unclear it's all shape shifting you know she's mourning and alone by choice and then all these scenes that were like with this like very boring dark colors and then all this the silence was incredible for me it wasn't boring it was for me a way to connect to the character thinking what is she thinking what is she what was she what is she feeling you know feeling uh, being completely projected into that mindset that she was having in that moment everything was filtered from her point of view and I felt the character felt her pain, her fear, her doubts. I felt everything. I, I, I felt like I was there. So that supernatural is like the representation of her minds and mindset, a mind state of mind. You know what she was feeling, thinking, suffering, and the, the joy. There was no joy actually. So no, I can't say that. So I totally understand. It was difficult to read, especially in the middle. 
Um, it's one of those movies, I, I, I get that, absolutely, that it's kind of like you either put yourself in a subjective view or you don't understand it. So it's like, like you said, more than art. You either research it and look into it and put yourself into the artist's mind or it doesn't fucking mean anything. And then I agree with you. If I go into like a more than art place, I'm like, I'm not connecting to anything. I don't know what the fuck this is. But if I study research and getting to the mindset of the painter or the artist, etc., then I'm like, oh, now I see it. I connect it because I've lived something like this, like mourning and pain and suffering and whatever. Um, and this is why I loved it. But one life lesson, I promise, this is the last thing and I'll shut up, I promise. Uh, the one life lesson I've learned is that this is, this is like an insight about how life works. We choose our path and then we choose the way we see the world and the way we live. And we choose to live our lives based on how we believe and how we feel and our emotions. And she's had a very shit life because she got stuck into the waiting for something that was never coming because she was stuck in her head. And then when she goes to the boyfriend, you know, have you have the ending where she's like, oh, wait, that's me. And everything goes white. And obviously you don't have the resolution, but it's kind of like it's up to you, you know, so that's your interpretation. And that this is why sense. for me and this is for me why I gave her a four point on four point nine only because I liked the Guillermo del Toro movie much more compared to this one. But what I was sorry. about. What, what I was thinking as, as I was listening to you talk about all this is you could take everything you just said about this movie or most of it and apply it to the orphanage too. Yeah. The orphanage, I feel like that. Yes, uses, absolutely. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes of just silent brooding in the orphanage too, but I yes. feel like the way that they, that, that they did it there actually worked a lot better. Um, so mm. yeah, like, it's i mean they're both meditations on grief too if you take everything you just said about yes. about maureen and her feelings towards you know losing her brother you could easily morph that into um the mother uh, and the, the mother relationship. and, uh, yeah, and yeah, Simone. Yeah, absolutely um so yeah like, like i just i there are two sides of, of of the same coin i feel like but yeah, yeah, just, yeah one of them i feel does it a lot better than the other one. Well, yeah. I mean, I like the Guillermo del Toro movie more, but I, can, I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I've personally connected to this one, so I can't deny this one as well. But I'm very biased, so I, I admit it. So, <laughs> I mean, no, I, dude, there's, you know, as long as you're able to, you know, give your reasons as to why you like or dislike something, I don't, you know, there's never any... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I appreciate it. You're wrong, but I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> You're, no, wrong. You're wrong. You're either Look, with us or against us. No, no, I totally... Movie, there's, a, there's a lot to like, and there's stuff that I disliked, and that's why I was, you know, I was like, eh, right dead in the middle, three stars. And, and, and that's why it's important to, you know, basically have these conversations, because it's nice to have, you know, you got it other people didn't get it or vice versa so that's what's you know again it's yeah. an interesting yeah. view because otherwise you know and i've said before i, I think that everything that you said about it i truly understand it so i don't I think totally it's a, i don't it. think this was a situation where any of us didn't get it i just feel like like keith said I, you know keith said at some points kind of felt pretentious with me it was just like i think there's better ways to to express what you're trying to get across i understand what you're getting across I feel like it could be done better.
Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next month will be the last month for Season 6 as we go into Season 7. And August will be The Past is Way Too Explicit, where our book to screen will be America Goes Dark, will be Flowers in the Attic by V.C. Andrews, and the 1987 film Flowers in the Attic of, of the same name. And, of course, we'll be continuing our Doctor Who with The Rescue. Doctor Who will now be covering two storylines starting next month. And we'll continue with Batman the Anime Series, with Terror in the Skies, Almost Got Him, Birds of a Feather, and What is Reality? Our make-remake will be The Last Man on Earth in 1964, and I Am Legend 2007, and we'll be ending our Eminem Monsters and Mad Men with A Ghost Story from 2017, and Coco, the Disney film from 2017. So it's good night for myself. Good night, Vix. Night, everybody. Good night, David. Good night, everyone. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And we'll see you next week with Flowers in the Attic. Incest all the way, babe. Suppressed by all my childish fears. And if you have to leave, I wish that you would just leave. Your presence still lingers here. And it won't Seem to heal this pain.